Hi guys, uh, Rob here and uh, I'm joined by the wonderful Alan as always. Alan, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Happy to be back and uh, to chat about the exciting news uh, that's uh, come out over the last few weeks. Yes, so uh, we we are doing this. Uh, we have uh, an older episode that we recorded last year about our favorite uh, Superman collectibles in our collection. We've been really, really excited to put it out for a while now, uh, but it has been sitting on the shelf for a while. So we decided uh, just to freshen it up a little bit. We talk a little bit about the the new uh, the, the the recent announcements before we kick off with that. So uh, for anyone who's been listening to our shows. When we were last talking about what's new in the world of DC movies, I think we did a we did a, a, a brief mention of the fact that Henry Cavill is back as Superman. Alan, do you remember that? Yeah, everybody believed it except skeptic Rob from Dublin, yeah. who was a little bit uh, a little bit wary of it and a little bit uh, thought it was a little bit of a dubious announcement. And it turned out that uh, Rob O'Connor was one hundred percent correct. <laughs> Hundred percent correct. I, I I I believe I suggested that it w- it felt like some kind of a power play, like maybe Henry Cavill was just announcing this prematurely mm-hmm. to to kind of get everybody excited uh, without any kind of firm plan in place. And I think I was about eighty percent correct. I think the the higher ups in Warner Brothers at the time were kind of like, sure, fine, whatever, <laughs> um, yeah, w- without having the real authority to do that because there was new leadership coming in in the in in the face of James Gunn and Peter Safran, who are now the heads of what is being called DC Studios, which apparently is completely independent from Warner Brothers altogether. Did you did you see this? Yeah, I, I, I copped that, and I was going to pick your brain about that as well. Like, Surely it can't be completely independent from Warner Brothers when it's owned by Warner Brothers uh, Discovery. Um, yeah, but I'd, yeah I'd say maybe is, is this a way of saying that Warner Brothers executives won't be interfering going forward or like I'd say yeah like I mean effectively it is that but it's you know it's not connected to Warner Brothers the same way that Marvel isn't connected to Disney but ultimately hmm. you know if people are having problems with Marvel Disney are going to come knocking and say no hang on a second you can't do that and I'd say the exact same thing is true here you know it all sounds great right now but as soon as you know as soon as they have a big box office bomb you know, David Zaslav could come knocking on the door going, actually, hang on a second, guys. We've got a couple of notes here from some executives who've been making profitable movies. And that's what's yeah. always happened in the past, and I suspect. But anyway, this this is not supposed to be a cynical show tonight. <laughs> um, I, I Yeah, so for, for, before we get into the individual, uh, the individual projects that have been announced, what was your initial reaction to the James Gunn, Peter Safran announcement? And then we'll get into the individual stuff. As in their appointment as the heads of DC Studios, is it? Yeah, yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised. It kind of came from left field. Um, I'm interested to see where it it's going. I'd like we, I know we spoke previously where I said I was kind of I had I was I'm I'm happy for that Snyder era to be done with, and for mm. something new and something fresh. And that if you know when we found out that we lost Henry, um, in terms of playing Superman, not you know from this mortal plane, but from from playing the role, um. That I was I was happy to be honest. Like I like Henry, and I, I think he's 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 fine. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to New Horizons, and that seems to be exactly what we're getting. Whether you know it's going to be for me, I have no idea. I like some of the things they, they've said so far. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, Superman Legacy, a uh, bit of a generic title, I think, but you know, it's still nice. Um, I I'm I'm just not very. I'm not really allowing myself to be 
too enthusiastic about it just yet mm-hmm. because like we've been around here before Rob like we yeah. spoke about it before 10 12 years ago you know Jeff Johns and stuff and and you know maybe not that long ago maybe it was about 8 years ago whenever it was that they announced Jeff Johns and another random suit was kind of taken over and they had all these plans and these movies were announced and a lot of it ended up going kind of nowhere I, I don't really have much faith in Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers executives not to interfere and like you said there once there's kind of one misstep I, I'm worried that they'll kind of come in and uh, you know make changes or not give him not give, not give the the two guys the the, the free reign that they have promised that they will give them yeah. and then the other side of it is James Gunn as well like I like James Gunn we spoke about it before I like Peacemaker um, I like a lot of his films I really enjoyed obviously Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and sequels were okay as well. I I kind of enjoyed the the last of the suicide uh, suicide squad films. Yeah. Um. I I don't like. He's really eclectic. Like I, he he always strikes me as someone who <clears throat> enjoys these real niche characters and elements of these universes. I don't know if Superman is really his thing, but then he seems to be kind of hinting that it's kind of going to go mm-hmm. down this uh, Superman All Star Superman route, which I find interesting yeah. as well. You know, because that is kind of out there and intergalactic and strange and very James Gunn. I, I I am really looking forward to seeing what's coming. To be honest, I, I I'm much happier with this announcement than the announcement that Henry Cavill was coming back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just briefly on James Gunn, Henry Cavill stuff. I think when the Henry Cavill thing came out, I said uh, it's a little bit like getting a really really good toilet but no plumber. Because yes. uh, what good what good is a really really good toilet if everyone's just gonna take a shit and the shit's gonna end up on the floor? Hmm. So you know, w- with Such all of these beauty. things, you're 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 like Yates. <laughs> you know, w- w- with actors, you know they look great, they look familiar, they embody yeah. the character. That's all fine. If you don't have a strong script, a strong storyteller, a strong director, there's just there's no point. If you'd come to me in 1988 and said, "Good news, everyone, Christopher Reeve is back. We're doing Superman Five. It's gonna be great." Yeah. You know, my first question would be, well, hang on a second. Are Canon pictures still involved? You know, <laughs> is it going to be made for $5 again? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, whereas if someone had turned around and said, good news, everyone, it's 1988. We've given Steven Spielberg $70 million to make a brand new Superman reboot. Yeah. You know, everyone would be, and I'm not saying James Gunn or Steven Spielberg, not by any stretch. I do, however, think, though, as eclectic as James Gunn's tastes may be, and they are, and I really, really enjoyed I enjoyed Suicide Squad. I really, really enjoyed Peacemaker. I had problems with both. Mm-hmm. I did really, really enjoy his Guardians movies, especially Guardians 2, the only Marvel movie to make me cry. And, uh, you know, when you think about all the other people saying, oh, well, I cried when Spider-Man died or whatever. I cried when Peter Quill realized who his real father was. And uh, James Gunn really? has said, yeah, no, absolutely. I thought, you know, and it's not a perfect movie. The plot was a bit all over the place, but it's a movie that was ultimately about fathers and sons. And, you know, you, you came away from the movie going, that was a movie about Peter Quill and his father. Yeah. And if they can make a, a Superman movie like that, that, you know, warms your heart and makes you feel like you've seen something heroic and, you know, maybe you shed a, a couple of tears because something lovely happened on the screen. That's the kind of Superman movie I'd love to see. So if he's... If that's the kind of Superman movie he's looking to write, and it sounds like he is, then mm-hmm. I am excited. And, and do you think it'll else, be? A, do you think it'll be like a Silver Age 
story kind of like do you think it'll be very all-star superman and very you know uh intergalactic and all these strange elements in it that are in that book do you think it's going to be a direct adaptation of that book do you think it's just going to be kind of a, a loose template of it or he he's pointedly said that it isn't going to be a direct out none of the projects they're doing are direct adaptations of anything they're just taking the tone and the feel of the stories to shape their movies which i think is the perfect approach i am mm-hmm. adamantly against doing direct adaptations of anything i think it's a waste yeah. of time when yeah. you have 80 years to draw from why would you only pick from one story and uh, i think that's the perfect approach he's taking the look the feel you know the atmosphere of all-star superman and and telling his own story and uh i th- i i do yeah i i think as much as I'm always banging on about how I'd love like a, a journalism heavy Superman movie, you know, that's really grounded and and stuff like that, I, I don't I don't think that's what this is going to be. I'd, no, I I'd say this so would be very colorful and I'd say it'll be very different to the Superman stuff we've seen so far, because I think a lot of people, you know, I, I personally would love for them to do Superman's origin one more time just to get it right. Yeah. But I don't. That's definitely not what they're going to do. I'd say it'll be very, very different. Um, If I had my suspicions and i've seen a couple of people say this i suspect that superman legacy possibly doesn't refer to the legacy that he's living up to like people are referring to it as if it's something from the past i think it's going to look at superman's legacy in the future and we're going to see the legion of superheroes because that Th- that, that would be are, right up his alley all right right up his alley you've got weird goofy characters like you know bouncing boy and matter eater lad and cosmic boy and saturn girl and all these weird characters that nobody really cares about you can kind of do anything with them and that's yeah. what that's what he loves doing like with guardians and with uh definitely the suicide squad and peacemaker and all that stuff he loves taking these random kind of well i i, I hasten to even call legion superheroes bargain bin but they're, they're kind of along those lines like they're not household names yeah and but but that being said i still think you know it'll be a superman movie through and through and i think uh I, 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 I've really liked what he's been saying on Twitter lately and the creators he's been citing. He posted a lovely quote from Grant Morrison and, and another lovely quote from Alan Moore. And yeah, I'm just generally very, very excited about Superman Legacy. And it's well, the, the, mo- first the most time. important question, though, is trunks or no trunks? Trunks or no trunks? Yeah, I'm one of those weird people. I have strong opinions about everything, Alan. That's one that I don't really have get out of here. About. Yeah, I'm actually like they've done a pretty good job by and large of the trunk, other than the new Fifty Two suit. That's the only one I really don't like. Like, mm-hmm. the, I actually kind of like the Man of Steel suit. I think it's pretty cool. I liked the Superman Reborn suit from the comics. Um, yeah, I, I think no trunks looks okay as long as you break up the blue a bit. Break up the blue, have a bit of yellow, have a bit of red in the middle there. The crucial mistake they made with New 52 and the Rebirth suit is, number one, the collar, which doesn't work at all. Mm. I don't like the collar. But I think you need to have a bit of yellow and red in there. It can't just be red. And the 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 New 52 suit was only red in the middle. And it's this weird thing where it just looks like he's naked, even though he's not. So, I don't know. Just just throw a splash of colour in there. We'll, we'll, we'll be gravy. But I, I actually... I'm going to put my cards on the table here. I'm actually betting that we are going to get the trunks. I think they're going to they're going to make a comeback. Yeah, that, that, that's, I, I, I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, I'm I'm as I'm as optimistic now, to be honest, as as I've ever really been. Like over the last, I, I was really optimistic for Man of Steel before 2013. Uh, wasn't too enthused by the film, as I've stated before, and mm. I really haven't been too excited about anything that has come since. So yeah, I'm really looking forward. I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where the project goes, uh, learning more about it. I'm looking forward to the casting. Um, 
so yeah look 2025 the release date i think is, is july 11th 2025 i'm kind of picking that maybe maybe i'm wrong but it's th- that 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 sounds right to me and i i think that the, you know going back to something you said earlier on about you know that they could panic at the first sign of trouble and not release something and all that kind of stuff i think no matter what happens we will definitely get this movie mm-hmm. we will de- yeah. I, I i'm gonna say that now you know Short of Flash making absolutely zero dollars at the box office, which could happen, yes. I still, I still think we will absolutely get this Superman Legacy movie. It, you know, and uh, that that has me very, very excited. The other stuff, who knows? But I, I definitely think that's going to happen. Will, will, will we race through the rest of the slate? Really yeah, quickly? let's let's briefly touch upon the, the other projects. Let's go. Uh, the Authority. I've never read The Authority, but I have read a handful of comics that have had Midnighter and Apollo in them. Okay. Uh, fun idea. Have you have you ever read the Authority? No, I've never read the Authority. No. I do think it's a little bit odd that there's a character that's modeled after Batman and a character that's modeled after Superman, and they're ro- they're rolling them into the main universe, which is going to contain Batman and Superman. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Uh, Midnighter showed up in the uh, the recent War World saga uh, in Superman comics, and he is quite different to to Batman in those comics. So I think if they if they go along those lines. I'll be fine with it. Uh, the Brave and the Bold. Are we going to get live action, cinematic, blue and grey Batman and the Brave and the Bold? This this is this is the question on everyone's lips. I, controversially, I so. I'm not one of those people who wants that. But I want to see it. I want to see it. God bless you if you are. It, my one wish, if we're talking about Batman looks and 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 hot hot uh, fashion tips for Batman, bring back the yellow and and the the, the yellow oval, baby. Now, oh, in yeah. fairness. That's already coming back with Michael Keaton, but but that that's he's not long for this world. God God rest his soul. In t- at least in terms of Batman performances, I think the Flash is going to be one and done tragically. Yeah, but, unfortunately uh, so. I would love to see the Yellow Oval come back. That that's that's my one wish list for Batman. Costume, you can do the so. Yellow Oval with the bl- with the blue and the grey. Oh, of course you can. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I just I, I've always loved that the the blue and gray aesthetic from like the old uh, Neil yeah. Adams books from the seventies and stuff. Absolutely. And you know, like Batman two five one and all all those iconic covers. Um. So yeah, I've I I don't know if it would work in live action. To be honest, well, I don't know. But the only the only thing again, James Gunn. He's the kind of guy that would just absolutely do that. Look at all the the weird suits in Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Like that, there yeah. he just goes ball to the wall with the colors and stuff like that. So I could definitely see him just go. You know what? That's no blue and gray Batman. Perfect. And what Robin do you think we're, we're we're getting with this? Oh no, he said it's Damian Wayne. It is Damian Wayne. It is Damian Wayne. Now, I mean, again, ugh, I would I would have liked. I I I'm one of the few people that actually really likes Jason Todd as Robin. I think that would have yeah. been a cool movie. Would have loved Tim Drake, but I absolutely see the logic in just skipping to Damien. He's a very, you know, strange kind of out there, crazy character that you could have a lot of fun with in a movie. And uh, I, you know, a little bit like Hit Girl, maybe from Kick-Ass. There's a lot be, of stuff they could do there. It, it could it could be strange for general audiences, though. You know, not a lot of people would know Damien Wayne outside of the comics. But every man, woman, and child on planet Earth knows who Robin is. And yeah, that's, true. That's the crucial thing. There is like, you know, he's one of those. A, any any Batman character from the '60s show, you know, every every single person on Earth knows who that is. So yeah. I th- I think there's there's kind of a, an instant buy in there, and I think if they're brave enough to cast an actual child in this, I think it could be a lot of fun. I think it could be something interesting, and it would warrant having a different series. That being said. 
I hope it doesn't preclude Robin from being in the Robert Pattinson stuff because I I feel like that could be really fun as well to see them do Robin and that. I would like to see Robin and that, but I don't want to see Robin and that just yet. I maybe in a third or a fourth film if it, if it gets that far. I don't want to see Robin in in the second installment. That that's my my only fear across the board with the quote unquote DCU Batman and the Robert Pattinson stuff is. I was one of those people that actually thought, well, the Robert Pattinson stuff was that movie was kind of out there enough that if they wanted to go down a more comic book route with it, they could. Like it's not Batman Begins where it's so realistic that you can't do any crazy stuff. Like yeah. there's there's a bit in that where he, you know, shoves this glowing green vial into him, and you know we're, we're told it's just uh, adrenaline, but I I think it's venom, you know. But uh, like they they could they could if they wanted to do Mister Freeze and Clayface and all that stuff in those films, they probably could. But I yeah. I hope that this doesn't just box off those films into being solely kind of ultra gritty realistic stuff. But I don't know either way. Brave and the Bold, that, that that sounds fun too. And there's, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do there. Booster Gold, Alan. Booster Gold, friend of the podcast, Dan Jurgens. Uh, he he made the uh, the casting. He, he told us that his his dream casting at the time would have been Justin Timberlake. Are we going to see Timberlake uh, play Booster Gold? I think not, but you never know. So. You never know. I, I don't think it'll be Justin Timberlake. I also don't think it'll be Chris Pratt, which everyone's saying. What a boring choice. Pick somebody else. Yeah, uh, that's a boring choice. Glenn Powell said he'd be interested. That could be fun. Yeah, I liked him. He was really good in Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I'm just super delighted that they're finally doing something with this. There's been kind of rumors and stuff thrown around for years, um, but literally a day before the slate was announced, I you know there there was a tweet going around. If you were James Gunn and you had to greenlight five projects right now, what would they be? And my five choices were All Star Superman. Okay, so they've they've kind of said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin, a hero reborn, which is the Tim Drake origin story. So we didn't quite get that, but we're getting a Robin centric movie. We are, yeah. I think I said Green Lantern First Flight, the like the animated movie where it's kind yeah. of Training Day type stuff. And um, I can't remember what the other one was, but I definitely said Booster Gold, obviously as well. And, and Booster much, Gold is right in James Gunn's wheelhouse. Absolutely, he's right in like it's it's just. It, it makes no sense that they've never done anything with he's tailor made for like nobody knows who he is so you have carte blanche to do whatever you want he's kind of like a lovable loser so there, yeah. there's like a million people who could play him you, there's loads of kind of just built in sitcom potential there and uh, now that we know it's going to be kind of a HBO Max thing that it'll probably have a bit of a budget so they can do fun superhero stuff as well I'm yeah I'm super duper excited for this I'm so glad they're finally doing this yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be interesting to see the audience's general, you know, the general audience's reaction to a Booster Gold film. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see what happens. I am really looking forward to the Green Lantern movie, I have to say as well. It's not, it's uh, both Booster Gold and Green Lantern are TV things. So, um, ah, okay. So I th- but I think they're like in in the in the vein of WandaVision and the MCU shows. They're they're kind of TV shows, but they're very very big budget stuff. Okay. Um. But yeah, so basically no, I, like eight hour movies. Eight hour movies. I I what I I th- I think Bruce Booster Gold is nearly better suited to TV type yeah. stuff because he he's kind of you can tell smaller stories with a character like that. A little bit more. I I'm I'm kind of wondering about this Green Lantern thing because. It sounds like they're telling a very grounded thing where they're, uh, it almost sounds reminiscent of, if you remember the, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow run from the, the 70s where they're from kind of the traveling 70s, around America. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. It kind of sounds somewhat like that and they're describing it as being like true detective, which is interesting. Um, 
I wonder how much of a grounded story you can tell with Green Lantern, but I'm absolutely glad that they're just finally doing something with it again because for me, I think whatever about Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, Green Lantern should have been a hit property a decade ago. Like it, yeah. it's probably the biggest dropped ball ever. When you think about how popular the comics were in the mid 2000s and how just the movie just sank like a stone <laughs> as soon as it came out yeah i was they, really i was really into the books back at the time and um i remember going to it and seeing it and yeah it was just it really felt like a marvel film from the mid 2000s you know yeah it felt like dc trying to do iron man which i mean it's definitely a way you can take Green Lantern, but I, I you know, I, I, it sounds like now they're they're across the board. I have to say, by the way, this is my hot take on the whole James Gunn thing because a lot of people are complaining. A lot of people who we're friends with online are not are not super duper fans of this whole announcement. Across the board, for me, this slate feels like instead of saying how do we be the edgy alternative to Marvel, or instead of saying how do we just do what Marvel are doing, it sounds like they're finally going how do we bring this amazing you know catalog of legendary comics to life on the big screen it sounds like they're finally just doing that instead of going like how what angle do we come at it from they're just going these are incredible stories that have been told for 80 years why are we not doing them on the big screen and now finally they are and And like everything they're saying everything they're whispering in my ear to try and seduce me they're 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 saying all the right things they're using all the right pickup lines um but i just want to see if they stick the landing before and I you're, put out. <laughs> you're, you're, oh my goodness gracious. You're absolutely right to think that way because, you know, when Man of Steel was coming out, Zack Snyder was saying all the right stuff too. Yeah. And Henry Cavill. And, uh, you know, so th- th- they're they're well practiced at this by now, I think. But for me, I, you know, if 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 I... I really genuinely believe James Gunn when, when he's talking about how much the characters mean to him and, you know, how he just wants to tell simple stories about love and family and stuff like that. And I think these characters lend themselves really, really well to that. Um, And, you know, he's adamant as well that, like, you know, Superman, he cited that this needs to be a four-quadrant film. Men, women, and little children need to be able to go and see this film. And uh, that's just... Perfect. And he's a hundred percent right when he went with that. You know, I and want, like I said, and I said it before previously. I, I think to one of our guests, I want to be able to bring my daughter to see a Superman movie in the theater, exactly, and, and not lo- be worried that she need, she's going to need trauma counseling. Love them or hate them, that was not what the Snyder film no. set out to do. You cannot tell me otherwise. Like you cannot bring a seven year old, whatever about Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, or Zack Snyder's Justice League. You wouldn't show them to like a six or a seven year old child. Yeah, and I, look, and I understand. Like I grew up in the era of you know Batman eighty nine and stuff. You know we you know arguably shouldn't have been brought as young children to yeah, see that in the yeah. in the cinema. But look, we're fine. It's perfectly normal to have a Superman podcast at thirty eight years of age. <laughs> and just before I, I don't want to wrap this up without mentioning Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which yes. I I'm very excited about because I'm ashamed to say I haven't read that series yet. People have been talking about it for over a year now about how incredible it is it was supposed to be a 12 part comic and it was cut down to eight issues and there was a lot of outrage and uproar about it because you know that th- there's a lot of kind of female character centric uh, comics that were being cut short and this was one of them and everyone was talking about how amazing it was and now james gunn is highlighting how good it is and they're going to do a movie of it and he's pointed out the comic and the creator and he said go and buy this comic and now it's now it's uh it's sold out it's a best-selling comic and the yeah. same with all these other ones he's talking about. I think that's incredible. I've I have since bought the comic. I can't wait to read it, and I'm super psyched to see what they do with that. And he's he's made an interesting distinction there. You know, he said that 
like we've talked about on the show, Supergirl is a very different character to Superman. She she grew up on the alien on planet. Krypton, yeah. She watched all of her family and friends die as a, as an older, like not quite an adult, but like she was of age when it happened. So she harbors a lot more resentment and bitterness towards the kind of things that, that led to the destruction of her homeworld. And she's a much more jaded character. And it sounds like this is going to be much more of a kind of spacefaring movie than maybe the Superman one is, which I think will still... And I presume, like, we, we all know that Henry is gone. I presume that this will be another recasting. I know there's a live-action Supergirl featuring in the Flash uh, film, as far as I'm aware. I, I presume they're not using the same actress. See, I don't know, yeah. Somebody somebody mentioned that. I, I'm actually not sure what the plan is there, because they have said that not everybody is necessarily gone. This isn't okay. like a... This isn't a total blank slate. I think Jason Momoa is definitely still on board for something. Um, Lobo. But, I, well, Lobo, yeah, but I think he may actually also still be Aquaman. I'm not really sure. Okay. And Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot is not 100% gone either. They haven't they haven't made any formal decision there. And the the big elephant in the room is Ezra Miller. There's yeah. been no there's no kind of the, James Gunn has sort of said that uh, Ezra Miller has been getting counselling and they they support everything that Ezra Miller is doing and that they're, mm-hmm. they're going to make a decision at a later date. My my suspicion there is that. The film ends in such a way, as a lot of people have been suggesting, the film ends in such a way that it's clear that Ezra Miller won't be back. Yeah. But whether that's definitely the case remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And and just before we 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 um go into the episode, uh, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Yes. Now I'm not a huge Swamp Thing guy. I've seen the two '80s uh, movies. I've read the Alan Moore. I uh, Swamp I Thing I need stuff. to see those. Are they good? I feel like I'd like them. They're you would like them. I I, I specifically yeah. would like them. Yeah, you would <laughs> like them. Uh, yeah, they're 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 definitely of of their time of their time. Yeah. Um, who I'm trying to think who directed the first one. It is someone like crazy famous. Is it is it? It's not John Carpenter or someone. It's someone I can't remember no, who directed the first one. But it, I know was it Wes Craven? Was it Wes Craven? Is that who did I, the first I one? Think it, I think it could have been the second one. One of them, I think it might have been Wes Craven. And I do know that Michael Uslin produced yeah. both of them. Yeah, the and, and the, the first one and second one are very different tone-wise. Tone the first one, they kind of take it seriously enough. And then the second one is very campy and comic. Wes Craven, uh, I was right. Yeah, fair yeah, play. There you go. Um, and I, I read some of the Alan Moore run uh, obviously I've read the, the, the Superman Swamp Thing story as well but I'm not like I haven't seen the, the Swamp Thing TV show that was released um, a few years ago that was cancelled after the first season um, but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they starring, do starring the guy who played Steve Sanders from Beverly Hills 90210 it all comes back to Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> I don't know how this happened <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, I I really don't know an awful lot about Swamp Thing. I'd say I've read maybe four or five comics with Swamp Thing in them, including yeah. a crossover with Vampire Batman that was kind of fun. Cool. But again, I think you know if if they're copying anything from Marvel, one of the key strengths of the MCU, I think, was not just making every movie be about kind of you know traditional superheroes and do, yeah. you know thinking outside the box, doing some different stuff and kind of stepping into other weirder genres as well to keep yeah. things fresh and I think that Swan Thing's perfect for that so it makes sense that they're doing that and that I'm excited for that too yeah so look hopefully we're not going to do too many of these um, 
uh, special kind of jump in episodes where we kind of talk about what's going on we'll keep them kind of few and far between um because you know we, we just like kind of talking about the content itself more so than you know what's new yeah. this week with dc and stuff um and, but, and also every time we do them they're out of date but yeah, <laughs> that, that time that time that we that, that we recorded one and like 12 hours later james gunn was hired and i was like oh for god's sake oh <laughs> god damn it um so yeah before we move, uh, we'll move on. Do you want to talk a little bit about the episode that we're about to uh, we're about to we're about to drop? That we're about to play. Yeah, it's 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 one of those ones that it's kind of evergreen in a lot of ways. It, we we just talk a lot about our favorite uh, collectibles, mm. and and they're not like most of them aren't super duper expensive kind of hot toys or anything like that. They're all fairly kind of. Uh, quirky little oddball little bits and pieces that we picked up over the years in our childhoods and stuff like that and um th- there's a lot of funny stories that go with them alan you you told a story about um your your vhs of superman 3, Three which is yeah. a lot of fun and uh, your your superman bubble baths for example i talked about my uh my autographed copy of a uh a, a bootleg vhs of superboy episodes that gerard christopher himself sold me online and i sent him an angry email because i didn't receive it <laughs> and again we record you said earlier on that we recorded this last year we actually recorded this episode in 2021, 2021. believe it or not um, it was one of our earlier recordings and we it was it was the concept of the of the episode was that it was another way for listeners to kind of get to know us in those early days and for no reason in particular we just never released the episode i yeah um, i think there was always other ones that were kind of more of a priority for whatever yeah. reason whether it was a guest or or like a time centric thing or whatever it, it just always it just ended up sitting on the shelf for a while yeah yeah so it, it might sound a little bit uh it might sound like we like we've regressed a little bit in the recording because it was recorded so early on but i really enjoyed this episode i i really enjoyed recording it and i i listened back to it there a little while ago and i really enjoyed uh listening back to the stories because again like and i say it in the episode everybody can you know save up the money and buy the hot toys and buy the premium format figures but it's those it's those little trinkets those little things that you got as mm. a kid that means so much to you that you could buy for a fiver on ebay now um but that you are irreplaceable and i really enjoyed speaking about them so i hope everybody enjoys the episode love it so alan will, will we take a, a a trip into the into the past and hg wells time machine one more time let's do it <laughs> the evil doomsday you need a hero who's more than a man he's been called the greatest the strongest the first among heroes high voltage villain conduit is powered by kryptonite but with krypton cannon blasting laser superman powers him down conduit will learn don't mess with the s it's the dreaded doomsday the most fearsome force in the universe even doomsday will learn you don't mess with the s superman figures each sold separately blocks not included we talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome once again to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 80-year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor, and I'm joined once again by the Midlands Man of Steel himself, the one and only Mr. Alan Burke. How are you doing tonight, sir? 
I'm just wondering when I get to give you a nickname. I'm I'm really looking. I'm really looking because I have a couple. I have a couple in the back of my mind. Um, oh, excellent! And I have a list kind of made up, and I'm looking forward to that uh, to that opportunity. But yeah, Rob, I'm uh, thrilled to be back. Like always, like I always say, I'm very excited. Um, I can't wait to get into this kind of personal episode. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a really, really exciting episode. So once again, we, we'd like to remind you that you can like us on Facebook at All Star Superfan. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram on All Star Superfan and follow us on Twitter at All Star Superpod. So definitely get in touch and let us know your thoughts and feelings on all of the exciting topics we discuss on tonight's episode. And I think you're definitely going to want to get in touch about this one because we're kind of taking a stroll, just a little, just wandering down memory lane tonight. Maybe we're putting a few crystals into the... Uh, the receptacles in the fortress of solitude to kind of look back on on the on the 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 annals of time so we're we're st- we're taking a look back at our favorite items uh in our kind of personal superman collection that collections that we both have kind of thing so th- these are kind of they vary from sort of premium collector's items to just little keepsakes to toys to books to all all, all different kinds of things but they, they all kind of have a, a different sort of story to them and a different reason for why we've chosen them so yeah um, because i think like we're, we're going to get real kind of personal it's like we yeah. can all talk about hot toys and you know three thousand euro superman the movie replica suits that you can order from super costumes or action costumes and you know like but we have to be realistic as well like uh, you know disposable income wise not everybody can afford to drop three or four thousand euros on suits and stuff and so I'm guessing your first item, Alan, is probably your Wish.com uh, Zentai. Uh, <laughs> what are those things called? <laughs> Morph suit. <laughs> but like the the kind of stuff that we're going to kind of focus on is more so the kind of the nostalgia stuff, the stuff that you bought for you know twenty quid in a yard sale or a you know a thrift shop or something like that, or something you got as a as a kid for Christmas. That yeah, you'd get you know a tenner for it on ebay now but realistically to you it's it's priceless the the kind of i was trying to think of of certain things and um, i was trying to think to myself you know if there was a fire in the house you know would i go for my you know christopher reeve autograph or would i go for that thing that i got for a tenner from my mother when i was 11 years of age and you know i'd absolutely go for the autograph but i'd, I'd have to stop and think about it um those those are the items that we're, we're kind of going to discuss you know those kind of personal items and we all have them we all have those little knickknacks those little keepsakes that we love and that mean so much to us and that we've kept and we haven't thrown out yeah no no absolutely and um you know i think for me like you, you kind of put it perfectly there I, I i do love the sort of modern era of fandom to some extent that we're in where you know there's there's so much stuff now that there wouldn't have been when we were kids and there's so much there's so much stuff aimed at people like us who are you know a little bit older and have a little bit more money and you know things like like there's so much aimed at fans now that was never there when we were kids but i you know in another sense i i think there's there's a sort of a magic that's that's a little bit lost by that like when you can just go online and find anything like i bought one of those um 1989 NECA batman batarangs yesterday uh i think i paid 25 dollars for it which is pretty good for you know for what it is and it's like a perfect replica of the batarang in the movie and it's really really cool but like you know literally all i did was i sat on my couch and i kind of went oh, i kind of like one of those and i clicked on a side of my phone and it, and then suddenly it was on the way you know whereas when you were a kid or you know even just in the 90s in general even if you were a little bit older like you never knew when you were going to see something special like that something that you know you you might want your entire life you you might wonder if it even exists Mm 
and then you'll just happen across it and you know you, you, it, maybe it, maybe it's really really cheap maybe maybe you paid a bit of money for it but it it just there's something so much more special about just stumbling upon something like that and 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 some of the stuff i'm going to talk about are things that i just stumbled upon um and and they've been in my collection forever ever since you know so really excited do, do, do you want to go first with your first uh yeah so um yeah the first item i'm, I'm going to talk about it it's, it's kind of a, a silly item to talk about i'm going to show it to you in a second i think you're going to appreciate it um okay but, I'm excited. yeah so i'm going to set the scene first uh, it was christmas it was 1994 kids Ooh. that's when it was right and uh, i can't remember what i got for christmas in 1994 i was 10 years of age i don't know what my main present was but i remember what was in my stocking uh and it was this item it was a bottle of bubble bath shaped like superman okay nice. now you have to remember that this uh i had nothing no toys for superman in 1994 i had never seen an action i thought figure. you were gonna say you had no bath you uh, know <laughs> i had no bath so the bubble bath was of no use to me uh there was nothing there was no action figures it was pre-superman the animated series it was ireland it was the southeast of ireland there was nothing um and i opened the the stocking and this came out now i'm going to show it to you in a second but basically it's a, it's a bottle of bubble bath shaped like superman circa the return of the superman era so he's, he's got the full i know where this is he's going got the full on <laughs> the full on super mullet okay yeah baby he's he's raising a hand he's got one hand kind of clenched his chest he's raising his second hand in a kind of takeoff pose um and i this i still have this it's still in my bathroom it still has the tags on it and it still has the original bubble bath inside so you never used the bubble bath never used it never used wow. it and like for the first i can't you know i could say six months or a couple of weeks or whatever like this was basically like it wasn't a scale with the rest of my figures but this was basically my superman figure for you know so Amazing. i should have probably emptied out the bubble bath um it was made uh it was made by a company called euromark in the uk it's a 300 mil bottle and i'm going to show it to you here now because i have it tags and all you ready just tell me you've taken a bath since then oh i have i'm more of a shower guy but can you see it yeah Oh, it's beautiful. And he's got kind of a, you can see the mullet. He's got the yellow S on the back. Gorgeous. And you basically twist him at the waist and the bottle is underneath. You can see the lid there up through his waist. And the bottle is still sealed. Bottle is still sealed. Right. Holy. So, and it's in absolutely mint condition. It's been in every bathroom that I have had uh, for the last 20 seven years <laughs> um but the it, fact that you kept the tag on it though as a kid like that is the dedication involved there yeah, is and, and, and incredible to be fair that's not something that's not something that's a common thread i don't know why i kept it in such good nick um but yeah. i i think it was just i just remember loving it so much and it, it was the second i i used to love these kind of bottles and the first one i got um was the enterprise d from uh, the next generation now i still have i still have that it's not in as good a nick at all as, as as this is but um yeah it's just i just love the look of it i just love you know it's real that era that that and you know, i death the superman super the return of the superman era 93 94 model he's back he's got the s he's got the yeah. k um and you know you can I have a lot of really great action figures, you know, premium format, sideshow collectibles, Christopher Reeve, hot toys, naked toys, all that stuff. Um, but this is right up there. 
uh, for me That's because amazing. I just absolutely love it. Um, so yeah, you can you can get them online still. Um, a lot of them are faded color wise and stuff. But if you're into that era of Superman, um, that early nineties era, you can get them for like 30, 40 quid online on eBay and stuff. Awesome. Um, and yeah, they're it's I I love it. It's 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 such a great piece. I love it. It, it really is. And, and sorry, we, we should mention as well, we're going to put pictures of all of yeah. these on the Facebook and the Instagram. What I was going to say was, it really is like you, you mentioned that some of the ones on eBay are a bit faded. The one you have there looks great. Yeah. Like for, I think it's nearly 25, 25, 30 years old. It looks amazing. And I, I think it's just fluky because, you know, in bathrooms, when you put something up on like a vanity cabinet or, you know, and the sun comes through that and th- everything fades. I don't know. Maybe it is made out of some kind of super material i don't know but um i'm hoping to to have it in my bathrooms for the next 25 years but it's just it's just the look of it i love everything about it it's just that was my era of superman and um like i said like i was i remember at the time like i'd be playing with him with the um batman the the animated series figures and like he's he's seven you know five times bigger than those figures but it didn't matter to me at the time um yeah but yeah, it was made by Euromark in the UK. Uh, God only knows how much it was back in the day, probably a five or a tenner or something like that. But um, thanks to my mother for picking that up. Amazing. Well done. Um, actually, just on that, uh, it just reminded me when I was, I must have been five. Um, you know, as you say, I'm a big action figure fan and that's what we're, I'm going to be talking about now in a second. But um, I, I, I'm obviously a, a Batman fan first and um, I had loads of Batman toys. I didn't have a Batmobile for the first kind of couple of years of my action figure playing. Well, the first kind of four or five years, I didn't have a Batmobile because they were, I mean, they were expensive. Like they were more expensive than, you know, your standard figure. Hmm. So it was, it wasn't like that common that kids would have them. Um, But I did have Batman Forever bubble bath and it came in, it had the shell of the Batman Forever Batmobile around the bubble bath basically. And you could take the shell off. And the shell was um, just about the right size that you, could, if you laid a figure flat on its chest, you could like press it up under the shell of the figure, and it was as if you had a Batmobile. So that that just reminded me um, of that. And 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 I did shortly, I did shortly after that, I, I got an actual uh, Batmobile, and that started my my. I love think my of, first, uh, I Batmobile. think my first Batmobile was the one from the nineteen eighty nine movie, and I remember because you, I I actually still have it. Um, put away but you and the rockets are gone but you lift up the uh gear stick and rockets would shoot yeah. out of the bonnet and uh like that when you're six seven years of age it, that that's the convertible one is it yeah yeah and yeah. like my daughter is not even two yet she already has a, a batmobile because they make them for like babies right. now with little you know it's it, like the, the the range of stuff i don't want to sound like an old man but the range of stuff that's out now compared to when we were kids is ridiculous but um yeah yeah that's no that's that's great so what's your i i actually i have that one you're talking about but oh, i, I, I bought it. it much later in life so it doesn't really it doesn't really count you know <laughs> um but my, my first entry on my superman list um are my a lot of these i'll admit are things that i bought that this particular entry a lot of them i've bought later in life is um my kenner man of superman the man of steel action figures um so uh this i i think superman the man of steel is the best line of superman action figures ever it's from 1994 um it's 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 kind of uh it's it's absolutely based on the death of superman and, and more so the return of superman uh, it was a line put out by the incredible Kenner Toys a year or so after Superman came back to life. So as you can imagine, it's that perfect sweet spot for me. 
if you listen to our episode on on um, our favorite comics, our top three favorite Superman stories, um, I I listed the Return of Superman as one. Um, so and it's literally a line of toys based on that. So you have Superman, Superboy, Steel, Doomsday. Um, there's a Lex Luthor figure there, but he's based on kind of a little bit after that era of Lex Luthor. He's he's a really muscular Lex Luthor. He is bald, but he's kind of wearing like a a black t-shirt and like combat pants. And for years, I just thought this was like a random action figure design that doesn't mean anything, but it actually is based on a comic story called, um, God damn it. What's it called? It's, it's, it's called, um, Underworld Unleashed. It was a DC event at the time. Um, and if you look up Lex Luthor Underworld Unleashed, this is literally a figure of what he was, what he looked like in that story. Um, but he has this weird kind of like vulture costume that looks, makes him look like the vulture from Spider-Man. Um, but the, the other figures, like there's loads of different versions of like Superman with his Hunter Prey costume, which is this kind of cool alternate Jack Kirby inspired suit that he wore to go up against Doomsday for the second time. There's a, a battle damaged Superman that you get in a double pack with Doomsday. That's really, really, really cool. And sorry to, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. Did you yeah. w- w- around when did you get these? Around what? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna come to that yeah. in a sec. Um, what, what I did want to mention, though, you, you have Alan's favorite Superman costume of all time, um, Street Guardian Superman where he has a flat top hairstyle nice, and he's wearing a long leather trench coat and swinging a chain. So I always remember you saying that that was your favorite. Um, kind of, yeah, it's of like a time. Punisher meets Superman kind of set up, isn't it? It's, it's really cheesy, really 90s. But once again, it is based on a comic. There is an Elseworlds comic where Superman looks like that. So there you go. Um, there was a figure of the Eradicator that you could send away for. They didn't release it on the main line and it was only after the line was canceled that they finally released it. Um, and then there was all all the kind of goofy, you know, laser Superman and ultra attack Superman, all, all these crazy redesigns that had nothing to do with anything yeah. that, you know, Kenner toys were kind of known for. I don't have any of those ones. I, I own pretty much all the figures that are based off designs that are actually from the comics. Um, I, as, as you asked there, like, when did you get yeah. most of these? I have bought most of these on eBay in recent years. So, you know, they, they've only barely made the list. But the reason they do make the list is um, one of the figures, uh, I think it's called Anti-Kryptonite Superman. I have the list here in front of me of what they're actually all called. Being Anti-Kryptonite is always handy if you're Superman. Absolutely. Um, it's Ultra yeah. Shield Superman is what it's called. Ah. And he's he's wearing this kind of like um, spacesuit kind of armor that you clip onto him. Uh, Kenner loved clip-on armor. And you, you kind of clip it onto him and then he has kind of like a spacesuit helmet that you clip on as well. And the idea is this is his suit that he wears in space when he's trying to hunt down all the last sources of kryptonite. Um, and the only reason I know this is because it comes with a little uh, trading card with all the figures and they give you this information on the back of the trading card. That that figure I bought when I was, I think, five or six or seven years of age in um, Quinsworth. Quinsworth. So Quinsworth Shopping Center, uh, before it was taken over by Tesco, the multinational it was called Quinsworth and um, they had these on reduced to clear for £4.99 and um, I saw them and I was like, oh my God, this is because at that point I was, I think I was, I was, I must have been seven at the time. I must have been a little bit older because I remember thinking those are cheaper than what most figures go for. Like they're usually kind of six ninety nine or even seven ninety nine. These are only four ninety nine. I was like, that's money that I have. Yeah. <laughs> So I said to my mom, I was like, mom, I'm buying this. Like, if you buy it for me now, I'll pay you back when we get home because I have the money in my piggy bank. 
And she was like, are you not getting a bit old for Superman toys? And little did she know that at 30 years of age, you would have a Superman podcast. <laughs> 31 years of age, Alan. Yeah. And I'm still buying Superman toys. In fact, I have one I bought last week. I bought this Superman figure last week. And this is oh, very much a Superman figure for for for, uh, for children. So I'm still buying. So it didn't work, mum. Sorry. Because I was but, when um, you said about 94, I was like, there's no way. In 94, like I was 10. There's no way I missed. Like it obviously just wasn't available in Ireland at the time because I would have seen it. And the, the, the local toy store in Waterford was a toy toys or, um, a toy master. And they did, yeah. they did had a lot of figures. But I, if I, I was in there like every Friday. And if they had any kind of Superman related anything, I would have gotten them. I think what might have happened, Alan, is this um, this action figure line was a failure. Like they, they wanted it to have multiple kind of waves of figures. Like you know, you know the way with your Batman figures, there'll be multiple different mm. kind of there'll be like series one, and they'll have four figures, mm -hmm. and then there'll be series two, and they'll have like ten figures. For this Superman series, I think there was only two series, and there was that they had originally planned for there to be like five or six, and there's only two. Um, and I, I believe they they severely undersold. And I think there might have been a huge surplus of stock. So it could have been a case that they had this, that they were never released in Ireland in the first them. go around. And they just dumped them here after they, they had all this extra stock. I think that might have been what happened. But it's a real shame because I think it's, they're, they're stunning action figures. Like um, they're so well designed. Uh, it is very much that kind of mullet Superman era. So loads of them have mullets. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I just think they're so good. And every time I look at that, um, so I have all these, you know, Kenner figures that I bought in recent years, they're all in like pitch perfect, uh, mint condition. And then you just have this really battered looking ultra shield Superman standing beside them. And it just takes me back to that trip to super queen and going, Oh my God, I've got to have this. So um, it's so strange so yeah. the things that you remember, um, the things that stick with yeah. you from your childhood. You know, it's it's so, and a lot of people can kind of say, "Oh, toys," you know, trivial and whatever. But it's it's amazing those those memories that stay with you throughout your your entire life, and you know the, the importance that you attach to things like that. But yeah, that's a that's a great pick. That's a great choice. Um, and and just one last thing on that, the, they made this thing called um the Kryptonian battle suit, which once again is from the comics. Uh, I think it was called the Kryptonian War Suit in the comics, but it's the 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 toy is called the Kryptonian Battle Suit, and it's this big, crazy, um, purple mech suit that Superman gets into, and it fires lasers, and it has a little claw that has a piece of kryptonite in it, and that it, like it's like the claws picking up the kryptonite. It sounds kind of like um, uh, Ripley and Aliens or something. That kind of it's that's that's exactly kind of what it's it's kind of slightly bigger than what she's wearing in that, but it's and it's more kind of covered up than that but it's so so cool and i bought that last year for far too much money and i love it but uh yeah that those are the the kenner superman the man of steel line you can get them on ebay for four hundred dollars like, <laughs> no they're, they're really quite affordable because again there were so many of them that never sold mm. so there's just boxes and boxes of them out there that people still have and they're selling them online so by all means check them out and maybe pick up a few well for my next one i am going to talk about something very similar to what you're speaking about but again it comes with a little bit of a story so as i've mentioned awesome. numerous times on the the podcast there was no toys there was nothing i was playing with bulb, i was playing yeah. with bubble bat people okay there was no toys all right um and i didn't see my first superman action figure until i was about 12 or 13 years of age um so it would have been 97 maybe 90 yeah about 97 i'd say um and i was on a school tour at the time and we were traveling across Europe. It's kind of like Joey Tribbiani's uh, 
story you know i was tra- i was backpacking oh, ac- i was backpacking across europe but no um we were all on a bus and i remember except instead of a naked woman it's a superman toy <laughs> that's how i that's how i picked up my wife i told her the story about oh, the God. time i was backpacking across <laughs> europe and picked up my superman action figure um but i was i was 12 or 13 years of age probably 13 years of age and i think we were traveling through andorra on a school tour um which is kind of a, a small country there adjacent to france and we stopped in this shopping center, this massive big shopping center in the middle of nowhere, like up this mountain somewhere. And I remember everybody was going through and, you know, you have to remember you're 12, 13. So you're the peer pressure is on you. You're buying things that you shouldn't maybe be buying. Yeah. I won't go into details about the kind of stuff that the lads were getting with their with the money that their parents have given them and stuff. But oh, I, I remember walking through the aisles and all of a sudden I spotted a Superman action figure. The first Superman action figure that I had ever seen in my entire life. And I nearly wet myself. And what happened after that was this elaborate way, like this kind of A-team plan of how I was going to buy a Superman action figure in Andorra at 13 years of age and not have any of the guys that I was on the school tour with cop what I was doing or what I had purchased. Um, and I did get yeah. I did get away with it. But the figure is, I, I still have it. It's the Superman, the animated series, quick change Superman. Um, and like you said there about Kenner and shells and, and liking to put on shells on, onto different things, that's exactly what this is. So basically what it is, is it's a Clark Kent and Superman action figure, kind of done on the cheap, but in a, in a smart way. So what you get is it was released by Kenner in 1996. It's a 112 scale, five inch figure. That's it. That's you have. That's it. Now, my one is slightly different in that. Clark Kent is, is wearing a green shirt, not a yellow shirt. Um, but basically, how would you describe Rob? He is, it's, it's kind of a, a function where his head drops down. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. Like yeah. The, the, the really ingenuity of Kenner. It really is innovative. innovative? So innovative. To, to backtrack a bit, Ke- Kenner made a figure in 1995. I think it's a, a Bruce Wayne changing into Batman figure. And usually, usually the way they'd make these figures is it would just be a Bruce Wayne figure and you'd clip on all this Batman armor onto him. Mm-hmm. But the problem was when you put on the Batman mask onto an action figure, it inevitably looked too bulky and too kind of strange. And like, um, it, it just didn't quite look right. So they got around this in Batman Forever by Bruce Wayne would have this like spring head that would like duck down like a turtle's head. Um, and you'd put like Batman's entire head onto him. And basically what they did for this Superman figure that Alan's talking about is they, they did the exact opposite. So Superman's head ducks down and you put Clark Kent's entire head onto him. And it's kind of bizarre and it's kind of like body horror-y, but it's it's also kind of brilliant. Because the cape folds up and kind of goes into a backpack that he's wearing. It looks like he's going hiking. It's Clark. It looks like he's going on he's going on a trip to Andorra with, with Alan and his mates <laughs> at 13 years of age. Like he's wearing this bizarre kind of... Like a short sleeve shirt and a and a hiking backpack, and these like slacks that are that are um that only cover his legs on one side. So if you're standing behind Clark Kent, you know that he's Superman. And the sleeve, yeah, and the sleeves. This even if you're looking at him from the front, the, like it's 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 a short sleeve shirt. So the rest of the sleeves are his Superman sleeves. They're his his blue Superman sleeves. Um, your one has yeah. a yellow shirt. Mine has a green shirt. I don't I don't have it to hand at the moment. It's it's in storage at the minute. Um, but I have lost the he 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 wasn't treated as well as the Boba Bat. I'm afraid I I I've lost the Clark Kent uh, section of him. I think. Oh, really? I think so. I I haven't seen it in a long time, but the Superman uh, has pride of place in the in the in the figure cabinet. 
um, as my first ever Superman action figure. And that was a big thing at the time because like I used to when I was like I used huge into action figures. And I remember I used to have all the Batman, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, the animated series, all all those stuff, all that stuff. And uh, I used to substitute Superman whenever I wanted Superman. I used to, for some reason, substitute him with the Flash Gordon action figure from the Defenders of the Earth series. I used to substitute oh, him yeah. in as Superman, for, even though he was blonde and he was wearing this red bodysuit. It made no sense. Um so and I, I was I was overplaying with let's get that across. I was overplaying with action figures by the time I was thirteen. But as far as I was concerned, I was never going to see another Superman action figure again. So this had to come back to Ireland with me, and I've had it ever since. And like the the Superman the animated series figures, like they did a great range of figures at the time. You know, something yeah, that really good. used to bother me even then, like with the, with the Batman ones, I had you know you had regular Batman, and then you could get like Batman. Sub-Zero and, you know, Armoured Batman. Infrared Batman. Infrared Batman. Batman. Uh, Superman never really lent himself to that range as much, but they still kind of did it with them, and that always yeah. used to bother me. <laughs> I, have a, I, I, I have a list here of a couple of them that, that they came up with. We have Deep Dive Superman, who's wearing a diving suit for when he needs to dive. Um, we have Strong Arm Superman. I would have thought that Superman had two strong arms, but apparently, you know. Uh, we've got Neutron Star Superman, which is basically space Superman, kind of like what you said earlier on with yeah. the space suit and stuff. We've got Capture Claw Superman. I don't know what that is. I had that one. He, he comes with a giant claw for some reason. Uh, we've got Electro Energy Superman for, you know, extra padding if he's fighting, you know, Electro or Live Wire or whoever it is. And my favorite, my favorite one is Tornado Force Superman. Tornado Force. Yeah, like you can you know, and everything obviously in the nineties was to the extreme, you know. Um, but the, you know, so Superman never lent himself to that kind of stuff. Like he, you know, it never made yeah. sense why Superman had a car or Superman had a helicopter and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, you know, people were under pressure to sell toys. But um that quick change Superman is uh pride of place for me. Uh my first ever yeah. Superman action figure. I, I probably sounded like I was making fun of it there a little bit a little a few minutes ago. Um that was the first time I ever saw a Superman action figure as well when I was a kid, and uh, I wanted it so so badly. Um, in, in fact, I saw that I saw a picture of that in a brochure before I ever even knew there was a Superman animated series. I saw that figure, yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god, I've got!" Because I was a huge Lois and Clark fan, and I didn't have a Superman toy. I'd never seen a Superman toy. The superpowers line was kind of more of an eighties thing. Was, yeah. I'm very much mid nineties kid, so I wasn't around for that. Um, and I used to use a Bruce Wayne figure with. Um, a piece of kitchen roll as a as a red cape uh, that, that makes Superman that toy. makes so That's... much more sense than flash gordon from defenders of the earth <laughs> to be honest with you why and, and i had i probably had like four bruce wayne figures why did i never think of that i, I don't know i was a yeah. stupid kid. like i i had a, a bruce wayne figure from mask of the phantasm and he, he you know he kind of looks a little bit sort of almost like dean kane kind of vibe about him so it, yeah. it worked well as a superman figure even though he's wearing like a red and black um suit but just you, you mentioned there like the funny thing about the Superman the Animated Series line and all those bizarre Superman toys they made off, like Neutron Star Superman and Deep Dive Superman are very much things from the cartoon because I think they tried to bring a lot of these extra things into the cartoon to sell toys. Mm -hmm. Like there was, he wore a spacesuit every time he went into space, yeah. which always annoyed me as a kid. It made no sense. Like Superman can hold his breath for at least four hours, even in the more recent kind of, iterations of superman so why does he need to wear a spacesuit every time and similarly you mentioned the deep dive suit that annoyed the ever living bejesus <laughs> out of me as a kid it made no, no sense. sense at all why is well like if superman literally 
like tiptoed into the water in that cartoon. He'd have to wear that deep dive suit. It was so stupid. With the Batman ones, it makes sense. You know, you have parachute Batman and you have hand glider Batman, and you know, I can see, you know, but look, they have yeah. they, they, there's someone under pressure there. Someone has to pay a mortgage, and he's sitting there on a Friday night with a glass of whiskey, trying to think up a different ways, of different figures for Superman. Um, but. Yeah, it's it, to be honest, it's the only Superman the animated series. Like I was aging out of it at that stage. Like it's the only Superman yeah. the animated series figure that I picked up um, because I I kind of got it for the sake of it. I kind of got it for the the thirteen year old me. Kind of got it for the eight year old me just to have it, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I I had aged out. I wasn't you know I wasn't weird playing with figures at thirteen years of age and stuff. But uh, it's not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're alienating half our audience. Out. No, but um, I uh, I I've definitely gone back to to figures and stuff since then. But yeah, it's 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 it, it's always just such a special um piece of my collection. And like that, like it's you probably buy it for twenty or thirty quid, you know, on eBay or whatever. Um, yeah, no that. That one is a funny one that like generally because I, I, I buy a lot of action figures from back then now and mm. generally what you will find is kind of the main figure like the, the one that looks the most like what the character looked like in the cartoon or the comic they tend to be the ones that are just so so expensive on eBay like yeah. combat belt Batman which is sort of the standard Batman figure from Batman the animated series yeah. You could pay hundreds for that figure on eBay. Hundreds, especially if it's still in the like if it's still in the packaging, forget it. You're never getting that figure. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, all your infrared Batmans and your Ultra Shield thing and your, you know, deep dot like you're not gonna pay that much money for those ones. Yeah. Definitely not. Because there's less demand. Nobody wants those ones. Yeah. Um but you mentioned I just before we move on from Superman the Animated Series, you mentioned the um I, I have another few to hand here and look, I w I'm I'm not gonna reach over to them. I have Metallo, which is a flipping great figure it's really really cool um i also have the brainiac figure they made from that i have, line. No, Again, I have these none are... of these but i would you know i'd be very tempted now to if if you show me some stuff here i'm very tempted that i'll be on ebay after we finish recording picking these up hold, hold, on, one sec, hold on one sec sorry listeners i let it all this out or will i <laughs> um yeah so i'm holding up brainiac there to alan that's brainiac oh and and he, he i love that brainiac because he's my first uh, introduction to brainiac yeah, it's just literally exactly as he appeared on the show. This one I have now is very, very beaten. I didn't get it as a kid. I got it very recently, but it's in bad nick. Then the other one I have here is Metallo, and he's on this kind of kryptonite bike thing. You can take him off the bike, but I, I it's kind of cool. Malcolm Metallo is an excellent figure, and you can pop out his chest like that, and he's got his, he's got kryptonite. his kryptonite in it. That is cool. It's a, it's a stunning figure, and it's like... And if you hold up the kryptonite to the light, um, it kind of glows a bit. You can't really see it there. I'll post pictures of all this on the, on the Facebook, but I, I really love these figures. And again, I hate to sound like an old crank, but there is an element of they don't make them like they used well, to. I was just, I, never I, I was just about to ask you, um, like there's five or six years between us, but I, I was just about to ask you, do you think, and forget about like the collectible $500 figures, um, do you think that figures of the 90s were better than, the, the lines that are released today in terms of things like Superman, the movie or Man of Steel or whatever you want to do. Like, do you think that those figures of that era are legitimately better or not? I I absolutely, very firmly, very seriously believe that action fit mass market action figures aimed at everybody slash aimed at children. Yeah. Uh, were they were at their absolute peak in the 90s and they do not make them like they used yeah. to. Like, I think nowadays there's, as you said, there's premium figures for adult collectors. They're obviously incredible. They do these amazing things with like, they scan the actor's face and 
all that kind of stuff. But like for for me, those are a very, very different thing. They're fragile, they're delicate, they're extremely expensive, and there's a much more kind of ornamental feel to those kind of things. Yeah. Whereas these figures were made from like rugged, hard plastic. They're designed to be played with. They're designed to be put into different vehicles. They're designed to be bashed into each other and, and have fun with. Like I, I mentioned this Superman figure I got last week, right? Yeah. This cost about, oh, fell there. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. This cost about the same as this would have cost in 1995, right? This is like four inches and it's got this really flimsy cape, you know? Yeah. Um, this this is five inches. It's completely indestructible. If I threw that from the Empire State Building, it would probably survive. Like there's just a total difference in standards. I, I think as well as that though, you know, I'd, I'd love to just blame, you know, the, the companies or whatever. You know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't know if there's the same demand for action figures now that there was when we were kids. Like I think kids have so much else to play with now in terms of gaming and digital entertainment yeah, yeah. and gaming and so like if you go into a supermarket now into the toy section and you look at like how many toys they have generally action figures there's like a small smattering off in mm. the corner when I, when I was a kid going into Queensworth now for example like it was literally wall to wall rows and columns of different action figures from different films and cartoons and you know, you'd have like the Batman would be omnipresent throughout the 90s. I do not remember a year in the 90s when there wasn't rows and rows and rows of Batman, the animated series, either Batman Forever or Batman and Robin and like Legends of Batman. And, you oh, know, yeah. th- th- then there was like Batman Night Force Ninja, like Batman ruled the 90s. And then there was Star Wars, like there was everything. There was wall to wall, whereas now it's kind of like a, a few here and there and yeah. then a bunch of other stuff. Like um, it's not it's not what it used to when be. When it came to the Batman, I had the 89 stuff, um, like the, the, the Joker that was released. Um, was it Toy Biz or Kenner? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Did they both do a version maybe? So Toy Biz, Toy Biz had it in the actual... For when the Batman 1989 film came out, Toy Biz very briefly got the license. And then a year later, Kenner got it and made the best Batman figure. Yeah, I had the line where um, it was Michael Keaton Batman, but he had like a, a utility belt that was attached to a rope and you could pull it out. And then the Joker looked nothing like yes. Jack Nicholson. And then you got Bob as well. Yeah. You got, you know, henchman Bob. Yeah. Um, and then I got a couple of the, the vehicles, the plane and the, the car. And then when it went into Batman the Animated Series, I just cleared up on that. I got everything to do with Batman the Animated Series series yeah um and then I, I i remember when i kind of aged out of it um and it was kind of around the time i remember going in i used to go in every friday and pick out i think a figure was a fiver and i used to get something every friday maybe one friday a month or something like that i remember going into to um toy master in waterford city and everything was jurassic park yes and i just wasn't into it i was i i, I didn't really like it. the film was fine but i i couldn't sit down i wasn't into sitting yeah. down and playing with dinosaurs for two hours or whatever um and that kind of that was the 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 line that came out that kind of was at the end of my interest in in playing with figures anyway and then i didn't buy figures for for years and then in my 20s like that i went back and started picking up things like the like you mentioned earlier the super um superpowers um superman figure from the 80s yeah um, and those kind of stuff those kind of rarer stuff that you would love to have had back in the day but that weren't available here and kind of started picking up bits and pieces here and there um in my in my adult years but yeah you have to say you know whatever you say about superman the animated series they they really they really did come out with some with some great action figures yeah in fact i think i mentioned that in our first episode like in in many ways the action figure line for superman the animated series is actually 
it means more to me than the series itself because yeah. I just I love those figures. You mentioned w- why does Superman have a car, and it's a perfectly valid question, Alan. What I will say though is I do own that. I've, again, it's one I bought uh, in the last couple of years. That car is so badass because it 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 does what no other Superman toy does. It turns Clark Kent into Superman. Right. So again, that was originally a car that came with the Superman, the Man of Steel line, which I mentioned before is the best Superman line ever. Um, the the idea is you get a Clark Kent figure with the car, right? Mm-hmm. The one that came with the Man of Steel line is this awesome, uh, like ultra 90s Clark Kent. He's got a ponytail. He's wearing like a, a like a royal blue sports jacket and a yellow shirt. He's got like high, like Nike hike top on high tops. Sorry, on. Like it couldn't be more nineties, right? You put him in the driver's seat, and then you pull back the um, the kind of spoiler at the back of the car because it's nineties, so he's got to have a spoiler. You pull back the spoiler, and it turns into this big kind of like supermobile with like wings with the Superman S on them and like an S shield. And but meanwhile, the Clark Kent figure slides back, and super the, a different hidden Superman figure slides into the driver's seat. Amazing. So it's as if he returns. It's incredible. I'll send. I'll I'll post a video of it on the Facebook well, page if, and I'll if, send it to you. If you're it's in amazing. if you're in Ireland, I, I don't know how many Irish listeners we have, but if you're in Ireland, if you go into one of my favorite comic book shops, um, is Dublin City Comics and Collectibles on Capel Street in Dublin, they have that figure. That oh yes, they do in yeah. the box for sale. I, I've seen it there a couple of times when I go in. I love that shop because when you go in, yeah. It's it's not really new stuff. It's retro old stuff that people have traded in. So you never know what you're going to find. Yes. And that's so if you're in Ireland and you want to pick up that car because you've kind of convinced me now that I want it. Um, it's 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 in it's in Dublin City Compass and Collectibles at the moment. So um, look, we we could actually spend all night talking about action figures. I, I I want to mention very briefly. I haven't said this in any other episode. I actually have an Instagram page where I post pictures of my my action figures. It's at '90s Heroes and Toys on instagram so please check that out if you want to see more pictures of my and my toys because we'll, i have a bunch of we'll them. definitely do an episode i definitely want to do uh like a, a specialist uh um episode on solely on superman action figures i have a guest in mind yeah. that i really want to get on who is the Ooh. authority on superman action figures as far as i'm concerned oh, amazing um and um i'm, I'm chatting to him at the moment I'm trying to get him to come on so i'm really hoping that we can get him on are you sure he's not a co-host of this oh, i'm only joking no he's not a co-host <laughs> of this but uh he's i i think you'll get on great with him he's he's i've never cool. seen a collection of action figures like what what this person has but hopefully we can we can sort that out down the road and, and make that happen but if not we'll just do it ourselves um because yeah I, i'd really like that i'd really like to go through you know like that the low end the high end the mid end do all that kind of stuff and you know niche figures and i i think people would love that yeah no absolutely um so yeah so on to my next item then um this is it's a fairly mundane uh thing in itself but it it's just sort of the story that goes with it so i um for anyone who doesn't know i i i, I might have mentioned it in a previous episode i'm not sure i uh took a trip a couple of years ago to a place called milton Keynes in the united kingdom um the reason for this uh i i had a week off work i i'm freelance i'm a freelance tv producer and ten, what what tends to happen is i'll finish one job and i'll usually have a couple of days before i start the next so i had about five days and i was like do you know what would be really cool it was five days in like I, th- I think it was like early september or something so my girlfriend wasn't around to take more holidays or anything like that so it was kind of like stuck in the apartment on my own i was looking for something to do and i thought you know it'd be great why don't i go to milton Keynes and see where they filmed superman 4 
because <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, they filmed an awful lot of Superman four in this shabby old kind of um, shopping village called Milton. It's not that shabby. It was, it's 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 a farmland that they turned into a shopping village in the United Kingdom, and it's called Milton Keynes. And they tried to pass this off as kind of nineteen eighties New York slash metropolis. And the results in the film, it's fair to say they vary <laughs> at best. Um, but it's fascinating to me. Uh, I, and um, our friend Oliver Harper did an amazing video on uh, his own trip to Milton Keynes. There's a site called Den of Geek that did a, a kind of a pilgrimage, they called it, to all the filming locations um, of Superman 4 in Milton Keynes. Yeah, that, um, that, so I decided to pop along. That man of steel and glass, and people should check that out. If uh, Sorry to interrupt, but if, if they if they're, have any interest in this, check out what Oliver Harper did on uh, his channel on YouTube, that the man of steel and glass. It's a, it's a great insight into the whole history of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like the, the first thing you'll notice when you get to Milton Keynes, if, if you kind of look hard enough you, and you kind of find where each of the places is like they really haven't changed that much like they mostly look the same as they do in the movie there, there's one um there's one area the the, the lobby of uh, duncan Ballantyne's health spa which they use as the daily planet lobby in in the movie and the only difference really is that there's escalators in the movie and they've been changed into just normal staircase now but in every other respect you're you're instantly transported back into the world of the movie it's surreal but the reason i have it on this list is while I was there, you didn't buy a house. In, I was you like, didn't buy a house in Milton Keynes, did you? I didn't buy a house in Milton <laughs> Keynes, unfortunately. So yeah, so I was in Milton Keynes, and I was trying to find kind of a souvenir, a Superman-related souvenir. And and lucky for me, there's a bunch of kind of just chain shops all over Milton Keynes. So I went into TK Maxx, which is kind of a discount uh, outlet kind of shop, and I bought a Superman T-shirt uh, with Superman's face on it. It's kind of like a Kurt Swan-style Superman. It's really nice. Um, and then I went into a used DVD shop and I was like, I wonder if Superman 4 is actually available on DVD in this shop in Milton Keynes where Superman 4 was made. And sure enough, I found uh, the Superman the 4 movie collection, um, which I think must have been released in, oh God, was it the mid 2000s? I know Superman 3 and 4 weren't available in the, Region 2 for a long are you time. Talking, was, is this standard DVD? This is standard bare bones, was, no special features. I think it was, DVD, I so. think it was two thousand and one ish. I could be wrong. Yeah, we, we, whenever whenever the four movie collection came out that didn't have any special features on it, that's the one that I found. I got it for like two pounds fifty in this um, it, CEX, which is kind of a chain of uh, they they sell games and DVDs um, that are pre owned and all that. And I felt like just holding it around and just showing it to people and being like, this was made here. Like, <laughs> don't you realize? And, you know, like Milton, Ke like literally you can pinpoint based on the shots in the movie, um, you can pinpoint like where Christopher Reeve stood. Like that's how specific and how small a place it is. Um, like th there's a bit I always remember when he walks in the lobby of the Metropolis Hotel when he's going to visit Lacey and Lois and you can see the doors behind him. Um, and then you see Superman take off from a little perch um, that behind the glass of the door. And like, you can find that perch now. And I was like, there's a picture of me. I'll post it in the group. There's a picture of me literally pointing at this thing because super, because Christopher Reeve like, took it. off the, from The it. foot of God touched it. So, yeah. So if I'm being completely honest, like the, the Superman, the four movie Superman collection, it, I, I probably won't be putting it into my DVD player anytime soon. I own the Blu-rays. I own digital copies of the movies. <laughs> this specific DVD version, I'm probably not going to, 
you know, it'll probably sit in my my sock drawer forever. But um, I am glad to own it and to own something that was, you know, from the town that like is the home of Superman Four. So brilliant that's 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 a great story um i haven't gone to milton Keynes yet it, it, it's like if you're if you're living in ireland it's kind of like making a superman movie in athlone you know it's a bit it's so strange absolutely you know? but like whatever you say about what they accomplished or what that, that film like the innovation to be fair to them was you know they really shot for the shot for the stars for what they were trying to achieve there and you know like fair play to them to be honest but i i i just find bad movies um and I, I hasten to even call it like I do genuinely love Superman four for a lot of like mm. serious Superman reasons, but it like it is a bad movie. But yeah, I, I I love bad movies because invariably they're made for not a lot of money, and I I just find it very fascinating to find out how people make big movies for not a lot of money. Yeah, I find that so much more interesting and fascinating than you know someone spending two hundred million dollars on a movie and actors standing in front of a green screen, and then. Just to give one example, uh, a cut of a film not being released and then someone being paid $30 million to to spruce it up again to be re-released. Like, uh, to be fair, I, it, I was, find it, was, all that. it was $40 million. But... Was it? Anyway. <laughs> um, so my next one, we're going to, my next one is, this is this will be a short enough one. It's a, it's a short story. Um, but it's a book that I got. Um, and it's more so the story behind the book. It, it's very brief, but... Um, I was, I remember being, it was, I want to test you now. It was October 11th of 2004. It's my, the day of my 20th birthday. Does that ring? Does that date mean anything to you, Rob? October 11th, 2004. Give me a second here on this one now. I'll tell you the story. Um, but it was October 11th, 2004. It's my 20th birthday. And I had gone up the, to Dublin from Waterford to visit a very good friend of mine, Brian Cox, um, not the actor. Um, a friend of mine from home um, and we went out on what you call in Ireland the session uh, the night before the night of October 10th and went out drinking had a great time we were both in college at the time I had a fantastic night and I woke up the next morning dying with a hangover as I often did back in those days and uh, Brian or Coxie as as we call him uh, walked up I'll never forget it woke up around 11 o'clock in the morning and, and Coxie came up into the room where I was staying um, in his house in Drumcondra in Dublin and he was like I have good news and I have bad news. Oh, gee. He was like, which do you want first? And I was like, uh, the good news. And he was like, well, happy birthday. I got you a Superman book, which is the item I'm, I'm going to talk about. And I was like, okay. I was like, what's the bad news? And he went, Christopher Reeve just died. Oh, no. Christopher passed away on the 10th of October, 2004. Um, and... Uh, it was God, yeah you're right it was the first it was the first it was all over the news but it was the first time that kind of someone who wasn't a family member had gotten me something kind of you know superman related kind of acknowledged hey you're big into this happy birthday and he got me this book and it's a great book um it's kind of one of those chronicles of the history of superman um it's written by les daniels um it was released in 2004 as far as i'm aware it was released the same year um, I could be wrong about that, but it's, it's Superman, the complete history. It's the name of the book and it covers the first, I know, it. do you know it? It covers the first 65 years of the Superman legacy and mythology. And it's a great book. And back at the time, um, I was big into the films and big into Lois and Clark and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the information that is in the book, I didn't know at the time. And every, you yeah. know, all the big Superman fans know it now, you know, about 
um, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster and how they came up with the concept and their their preconcept of him being this evil, maniacal, you know, telekinetic supervillain and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's just a great book. It has loads of interviews with writers and artists. Um, you know, um, there's lots of samples of the comic book art included. It has a beautiful cover. It's kind of the the, the image of the head from um, the cover of, I think it's Superman 1 from 1939. I think it's that, the kind of yeah. the superimposed head. And it's got this beautiful gold spine on it. Um, they have working sketches in it. It's just a lovely, lovely book. Um, but it, it's not really the book itself. But it, it's just always, whenever I have it, I have it on my shelf. And it was always just this nice, it's a nice memory. We had a great night, great night with friends. You know, you're young, you're in college, you're out drinking, you're having fun, you know, meeting people and stuff. And it was just um, tinged, tinged with that sadness then afterwards of finding out that, that yeah. Christopher had unfortunately passed away the day before um, and in the way that he did and at the age that he did. And I always remember that day then because like you have, I remember the newspapers all had these kind of lovely kind of fan art depictions of you know an empty wheelchair and this kind of stuff and you know clouds in the sky and there was a lot of references to making people believe that a man could fly and you know how how he was the hero that you know he had portrayed in in the films he'd become more of a hero than superman will ever be um in what he had accomplished Mm -hmm. um in relation to his foundation and the, the the charities and you know the bravery that he showed and stuff um, and it was just it's 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 just every time I see it on the, on on my bookshelf, I'm just brought straight back to that to that day um, and to the day that he passed away. And it's just a nice little reminder of it. But I highly recommend you can get it. Uh, I, I presume you can get it on Amazon and eBay. You probably could get it from comic book shops. Maybe they could order it, spe- you know, order it in for you. And that I I I'd be a big proponent of supporting shops and comic book shops before you support eBay and Amazon and things like that. You know. Um, but yeah, it's it's casual enough for kids. It's informative enough for collectors and adults. It's just it's it's a great read. That's amazing. That's a that's an amazing story. Um, I I do I, I know that book. I don't own it, but I I definitely wanted to own it. So I remember in the early days of DCComics.com, like in the late nineties, there there was pictures and excerpts from that book and. This is back in the days of dial-up internet. I remember kind of reading passages from that book and stuff, and really, really wanting it. So yeah, it's, it's that, that, that's it, that's fantastic. It's even out, like obviously it only covers up to the time that it was published. It doesn't cover anything over the last seventy yeah. years. But you know, it has original character designs in it. It's it's just a lovely comm- uh, commemoration of of the character. And um, at a time when I wouldn't have known as much as I know now about the history of of how he, you know, came to be. It was just fascinating. I remember reading it for weeks and 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 going through it all and the, the beautiful artwork in it and stuff. It's just I'd highly recommend yeah. checking it out. The, there's a book called um, Batman Collected actually that uh, a guy named Chip Kidd made, and and like that, it's a big coffee table book full of you know um, beautiful images and photographed memorabilia and stuff. And um, and and like that, I I got that book. Um, I think what confirmation money when I was twelve. And uh, it's where I learned like most of that sort of essential stuff, you know, about Batman where, you know, uh, it was really big in the 30s and then it sort of died off a bit. And then it came back in the 60s and it was the biggest thing ever in 1966 and then it died off a bit. And then it was the biggest thing ever in 1989 and then it died off. And then he has like um, toys and collectibles from each of those major eras of Batman. It kind of it was written around the time Batman Forever came out. Yeah. So there's a little bit of Batman Forever in there and then there's nothing after that. But it, like it's where the first time I ever heard about Frank Miller was that book. And, you know, um, so many different things. And there were so many 
different Batman toys I, I would see in that and I dream about owning them. And I, I own some of them now, but like like that, you know, back in those days, that's how you got yeah. most of that information was these big books. And the other thing that I was thinking about when you were telling that story was um, I was on a trip in Edinburgh uh, in, God, when was it, 2015, I think. And, and very similar, my friend walked in and told me that Adam West had died. Oh, man. Um, and it, it was a very similar thing where like he he knew that it was going to be a thing that i would be affected by this, and he kind of the, the, told me gently and it was I, I i really appreciated it at the time and i said look lads i have to step away for a minute i went away and i wrote uh my kind of uh tribute piece to adam west which is on head stuff if anyone wants to look it up um i, I wrote that a couple of years ago but I, I was delighted that he kind of he knew that I would be upset by it, you know, like, kind of Yeah, and, like, those kind of friends, like, I had never, like I said, you know, you have, you know, family buys you stuff and that, but it was kind of that first um, time as an adult that, you know, someone I knew had had made an effort, gone to a comic book shop, picked up a book. Um, when, it, yeah. when it comes to Adam West, I, I was so dismayed when Adam West passed away because, speaking of London Film and Comic Con in 2017, Adam West was due to appear, and I had booked a meet and greet with adam oh wow and he passed away a couple of weeks before um so obviously i was heartbroken at the fact that adam had passed away but uh, just i was so close to, to to meeting the man and shaking his hand and you know talking to him for a couple of minutes uh i was heartbroken that i obviously I, I i'll never get that opportunity now um but yeah what a what another loss to you know to 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 the industry and to everything he's such a great man and such a great um torchbearer of the batman legacy in the bright night you know and i know we're talking about batman a lot in um, in tonight's episode if anyone hasn't seen um i think it's called batman return of the cage crusaders the animated mm-hmm. movie really really great animated movie they literally they got adam west and burt ward back and they they literally have them playing batman and robin as if it's like an episode of the show but it was obviously written like much much later and there's lots of in jokes mm. there's lots of references to like more recent versions of batman and then they did a sequel batman versus two-face where they bring in William Shatner William as Two Face, yeah. <laughs> Which I, 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 the second one wasn't as good. I don't think they really captured the tone of the show as well as the first one did. But the both of them are well worth a watch. I definitely check those out. Which yeah, my next story. Um, this is a funny one actually, Alan. Uh, so we've obviously mentioned the Superboy show a couple of times here. Um, and obviously, you know, we have mixed feelings about it. I, I think a lot of it is very, very interesting. I think like Superman four. It's clear that it was made for not a lot of money and it was clearly a labor of love in a lot of ways. But then in other ways, you could say that it was an exploitation of what few remaining rights the Sawkinds had. So it's kind of mixed feelings about it. But um, when I was a kid, like, I, you know, I'd never heard of this. I didn't know it existed. Um, And uh, I I, I was kind of, I, I I was at that age where I was starting to be on the internet a little bit more. I would have been sort of, 12 or 13 and and there was kind of whispers of it maybe they're making another superman movie i kind of had heard something about nicholas cage somewhere in the ether i didn't fully understand any of that and i was kind of you know scaring the internet for all the information i could get and i heard about this superboy show and i found out that it was on for four years i was like what the heck is this i never heard about this um so i started like doing loads of research about that and i was reading all these episode guides and i was reading this stuff about metallo and bizarro and i was like how have i never heard of this show this sounds amazing um, and I found out that the actor, Jared Christopher, who was the second Superboy on that show, the first actor, uh, John Hames Newton, was only on it for the first season. Various reports as to why that was. But anyway, Jared Christopher was on it for the majority of the series. And um, for a long time, he had a website 
where he was selling uh, VHS um, bootlegs copies yeah. from his for, from his master copies. So he had master tapes of the show for some reason, and um, he would copy these and sell them on because it was the only way to see the show. Like it was never it was never repeated on American TV. Um, it's so funny as well because like these American websites will say that it was never seen, it never saw the light of the day ever again. And they use all this hyperbole, forgetting that America is only one country in the world. <laughs> and that actually Superboy, I've subsequently found out it was repeated around the world for years afterwards. And it was shown in Europe for years. It was on various kind of cable channels over here that we just didn't have. So that's why I never saw it. But if you read these American sites, they act like, you know, it was never seen by man, woman or child ever again. But, um, it was the only way effectively to to watch the show was to buy these tapes off Jared Christopher. So he was selling tapes of uh, Roads Not Taken and... Um, Great episode, by the way. Remember, there was Roads Not Taken episode one and two and Wish for Armageddon and Superboy Lost, which we which we are we're going to do um, an episode on as well. And um, so I decided I'd buy that one and I was really, really excited. Like, I, I feel like in order to make the order, I had to like write a letter to him like in the post and I, I i might be wrong and maybe maybe there was a way you could do it online but this was back in the days where you know amazon hadn't really really taken off yet so when you ordered something online and you know that there was all this kind of suspicion around people stealing your money <laughs> online and stuff like that and you weren't really sure if when you ordered something that it was definitely going to arrive so there was a bit of trepidation here my parents were like who is our you know 13 year old son sending this money to in America. Like what, what is he doing? Um, so I sent off, I, I feel like, I, th I think it was like a check or like a postal order for, I don't know, maybe it, it was whatever. I, th I feel like it was probably $30. It was a little bit more than it should have been for three episodes. But, um, no, it was four episodes and he signed the tape. Oh, fair enough. So, and it was 30. Well, it's not anyway. It's Jared um, Christopher, man, you know, it's Superboy. So I sent that off anyway, and like months went by and I didn't hear anything like, you know, there was no receipt. There was no sort of email to say, thank you, we're processing your order. Like it was none of that stuff in those days. And we just had to take him on his word that they were coming. It reminds, <laughs> like it remi it reminds me of that episode where Bart Simpson takes the coupon and sends off the x-ray specs and then he has to wait six yeah. months before he gets it. Yeah. Yeah, and like literally, just like Bart Simpson, I'd be sitting at the door, like waiting for the postman to arrive. And sure enough, it would never, it would never be there. And I'd be like, when is this going to happen? So like, eventually, I myself and my dad, like I sent from my dad's email, I sent a, a scathing <laughs> email to his um, whoever was in charge of his website, basically saying, you know, what's going on? Like, where's my VHS? <laughs> Um, like, why is this not arrived? And I heard nothing back again. So like a couple of weeks later, then I sent another email and this one was really, really just like brutally scathing. <laughs> just, and I, I, I won't go into what I said, but it was, it was really like just lambasting <laughs> Jared Christopher, essentially. Um, please come on our podcast, Jared Christopher. Um, lambasting him for you know his poor customer service and I think and please remember that I was a 13 year old boy I think I may have even called him a fraud <laughs> so it was really really nasty um, but then obviously they did finally arrive like I think maybe a couple of months later again I, they must have been just trapped in customs or something. Yeah. I don't know what happened but it finally arrived and I watched it and I you know I was 13 I, I thought I thought it was great and I sent this email going 
wow thanks i really really enjoyed it like just complete change of tone just um saying how much i enjoyed it but then this other email finally came back from one of his people they had obviously only just now seen one of my earlier emails and they were like uh when did you make this order uh, you know what is your home address we will investigate this. And then at the end of the email, they were like, we do not appreciate your comments about Mr. Christopher and they will be passed on to him at this time. Yeah, I, 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 I can't see us getting Jerry on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember, it was a lifetime ago, Mr. Christopher. If you are listening, uh, very big fans of your work. We'd love to see I'm, you on I'm, the show. I'm kind of, I'm kind of listening in, in uh, trepidation because I want to see if you're going to lift up. If, do you have them to hand here or no? I, I actually don't know that I do still have them at home though and um and does it just say Jared Christopher know, on it or is it kind of like too no it says it says Robert hi Robert best wishes Jared Christopher so like you know he had the decency to write my name on it <laughs> after all compared the to the next box that you'll get that'll say to Robert fuck you Jared Christopher fuck <laughs> <laughs> you Jared Christopher yeah <laughs> um but yeah like as you said road's not taken it's definitely one of the more ambitious episodes. I feel like Dennis O'Neill might have written that one. Um, or so, some big comics writer wrote that one. Um, it's it's actually not my favorite episode. A lot of people say it's the best. I, I think there's too many kind of weird plot holes mm-hmm. in it. And there's like, as is the case in a lot of Superboy episodes, there's, there's some acting that doesn't really land and some special effects that leave a lot to the imagination and, and stuff like that. So it, it's not my favorite. I, I've, my favorite episodes of Superboy are when they really just strip it back and just focus on character like kind of character yeah. uh kind of character like we mentioned know, know thine enemy is is my favorite that's all about and Lex to be stuff, fair so. i i i like we i think we said before i didn't grow up on it or anything and i didn't have much appreciation for it but since starting all-star superfan um i've watched more episodes of it and my appreciation for the show has definitely uh, increased um i've seen some episodes like that know thine enemy Road's not taken. I watched that one. I can't remember the name of it. Where he stuck with Lex in the mine, um, the mine games. mine games that you recommended to me. That's another really good. Yeah, one. yeah and I've seen. One. And for anybody who do who does love it, um, our, our our good friend Sam runs obviously Superboy the Legacy website and pages and stuff. And you know Sam is a huge huge fan of that series, and he's been on Jim Bauer's podcast and stuff. And um, I think he's Sa- Sam is like the reason anybody knows. About yeah, one hundred percent. Like he's he's just. Like he's got the original costumes and he's done these beautiful jobs of yeah. like maintaining them and photographing them. And he's, you know, he's contacted all the stars of the show. He's brought them to conventions. Like yeah. he, he is really and he's such, beating the drum of that show. It's it's incredible to see what he does he's such, you know, he, for, for a show from so long ago. He's such a nice guy. I was at home there um, not long after we launched our second or third episode. And I got a voicemail from Sam, um, kind of like a, a Facebook voice message from him just saying how much he enjoyed the podcast you know and that was such a nice thing too he didn't have to do that and it was such a nice thing he's such no. he's such a nice guy um i don't yeah. know if he's going to be friends with us after he heard about how you told jared christopher no to no himself. i, I <laughs> <laughs> is, is it no it's you up next yeah yeah you me. Go next. so the next one i'm going to talk about is actually an, another figure it's, it's more of a doll to be honest with you i have this argument with my wife the whole time when she's like you know uh, we're running out of room for your dolls i'm like they're not dolls they're action figures um but uh, we were at, like I spoke of earlier, we were at London Film Comic Con in 2017, uh, met Terence Stamp, I'll, I'll tell that story another time, and met some real icons of the of Superman, the movie, the, the franchise and stuff, and met Dean Cain and Michael Rosenbaum and a couple of people and ran into Martin awesome. and picked up a couple of collectibles. Um, I, I'm a real fan of 
at these conventions. I love those kind of secondhand stalls. Yes. Um. Uh. That's really that's my niche now. I love going over seeing what kind of a treasure you can you can dig out. And I remember I was looking around. A lot of the stuff at the stalls was very generic. It was the same stuff at different stalls. You know, people doing sketches and art and fan art and all that kind of stuff and a lot of figures that you'd see in local comic book shops here in ireland and stuff stuff that wasn't in any way special um and i remember we were walking past the stall and my wife was like do you see anything here and i was like no not really and then my wife stacy was like what's that back there and it was it, it's kind of like um the last crusade the indiana jones movie where they have the holy grail they have all the beautiful cups yeah. and then right at the back they have that kind of shit cup that turns out to be the holy grail and she was like, what's that back there? And there was a woman manning the stall. And uh, she was like, oh, that's from my husband's private collection. He's just gone to the bathroom. And <laughs> she kind of pulled it out. And it was an original 1973, 1974, I'm not too sure, Mego Superman. Amazing. In excellent nick. Now, not mint, but good nick. Cape was frayed. And there was a couple of bits here and there. But it's a 50-odd-year-old um, figure. And they were selling it for 50 quid. And I was like, wow. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll take that. That's, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's lovely. It's a lovely piece to have an original Amigo. I think the earliest figure I had at that stage was the, the superpowers, the little uh, yeah. three inch or five inch, whatever they were. And uh, so the, the, as she was putting it in the bag, I was like, I was thrilled with myself. It was such a great find. And as I was putting it in the bag, she was putting it in the bag, the husband came back, who was obviously running the stall. And he was like, oh, you know, what, you, you know, oh, you're after, you're after making a sale or whatever, what you buy. And she turns to him and she goes, uh, oh, he's just after buying your Mego Superman. And as a collector, I saw immediately on this man's face that his face just dropped. And he was like, crestfallen at this the fact that i had purchased this piece which is obviously hugely important to him and he was like oh and i could see it in him and uh i was like are you sure you want to sell this and he was like yeah he was like, i have to sell all this stuff and i have such a huge collection and we just yeah. we agreed and all this stuff i don't have the room and all this kind of but i could see in it that he was he, i'd say he had on purpose buried it in the back of this shelf of other figures and other dolls and collectibles and stuff um, and it was kind of like this, you know, unsaid agreement between the two of us where I was like, this is coming to a good home. Don't you worry. I'm going to take really good care of it. But the Mego line in general is a beautiful uh, line of figures that came out. Um, I think the Superman was the first one of what was called the world's greatest superhero line. And they're 12 inch dolls, basically, is what they were. Um, and Superman, I'm fairly confident, was the first one. And it went on for like 10 or 12 years, the original line. And a lot of them changed over time, like the, the Batman and the Robins changed. The, Superman's, the Superman version basically stayed the same, except for a couple of um, minor differences. And it's really hard to get the 73 version, like the, the first version. Um, yeah. A lot of them are obviously because of the age, they're damaged. A lot of the suits, the blue of the suits kind of turns a bit lavender over time. Um, the the big difference with the with the early ones compared to the later ones is the size of the S on his chest. The S is a lot bigger on the chest of the original um, the original release. And, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and the box itself, the box is a solid box. There's no window um, in the box, and fairly quickly they got rid of that and they released them on cards afterwards. Um, so that's how you know you kind of got. And then as it went on, they have re-releases, and you can get more modern versions now that are released to look like the old versions and all that kind of stuff. But 
it's basically the Superman figure of the 70s. Yeah. Um, when Christopher Reeve, you know, did the film and stuff, this was really the only figure that was around, was this Mego Superman. Um, and obviously then the Superman figure of the 80s was the Superpowers Superman figure that was released. And then we get into the 90s and we have all the, the figures that we spoke about earlier. But it's just yeah. such a, a beautiful, beautiful um, figure. Um, comes with a stand. Amazing. It didn't come with the box originally. A bit of fraying on the cape and stuff, but it's 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 such such a nice little story. I was I, I was much happier with that fifty quid purchase than I would have been spending three four hundred euros on something else. You know. Yeah. Um. Like to the two things to say about that. First of all, um, I completely agree. Like that's one of my biggest problems. I I mentioned kind of modern fandom now and the the amount of stuff that's out there. Mm. And the problem is when you go to these conventions now, all the stuff that you can buy is just new stuff yeah. that you can get on Amazon, you can get on whatever. Like a lot of it is trash that you get on Wish.com and all these places. And you don't need it. It doesn't look cool. And it's just the same stuff at every stall. It's like, what's the point? Yeah. Whereas when we were growing up going to conventions, it was weird little pokey little items from the 70s and 80s that like nobody else had. And you couldn't find them anywhere. And they were, they were kind of odds and ends and just... You know, maybe I'm probably speaking with kind of nostalgia goggles here, but I just think these things from sort of the pre-internet era are just so much more interesting. And just to go, to talk about those Mego figures, like going back to that book I was talking about before, Batman Collected, he has a whole section about the Mego figures. And um, and as you say, I think the thing that set the Mego figures apart was they were like ever so slightly shorter than... I don't think they were 12 inches. I think they were like 9 or 10 inches or something. And that oh. that became known as Mego-sized because that they revolutionized that size of figure. And like they had um, they had vehicles for them and stuff. And that there was like a... Like in those days, um, Batman was based out of... Uh, sort of similar to the way in The Dark Knight. He was based in a penthouse in Wayne Enterprises. And you could buy this as a, as a, a penthouse set to go with your Mego Batman and stuff. And yeah. I... This was in that book. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And um, the interesting thing about the Batman, and I, th- I think it was just a Batman figure. It came with a removable cowl initially. And like you could take his cowl off and he was Bruce Wayne. But then all the kids that bought the figure would lose this uh, cowl. So they, they made one that was like permanently stuck onto his face. But that meant that the one without, that the the one with the removable cowl is now like a priceless collector's item now. Yeah. Um, but as, as you said, like the, when... Superman the movie came out, that was the Superman figure that you could buy, was that Mego Superman that didn't really look like Christopher Reeve, but everyone bought it because it was Superman. And like I said, you can get um, kind of more updated versions now. I know Home Savers um, in Ireland um, are actually selling more modern Mego action figures at the moment. You can get Captain Kirk, Spock, Khan. I got those um, three recently. Um, they, they're doing a Marvel kind of a... I, I don't think the Marvel is Mego though, but they're definitely doing... I got a new 52 Mego Superman. Now, again... Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was fine. I got it for like seven quid um, and I got it just to get it, to be honest with you. But um, it's it's not near, you know, the fact that this is a 1973, 1974 figure. I think I forgot to say, I know the difference with the early ones is they have a red and yellow S sticker on the cape, yeah. which the later versions um, didn't have. But yeah, it's just when it comes to Superman action figures, like there's there's kind of a, a hierarchy of them, and that Mego one is 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 kind of historical within the the yeah. realm of those figures. Same as the Superpowers uh, line, um, the the Mailaway Clark Kent and the 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 original Superman that came out with the punch, you know, he squeezes his legs and his arms punch and stuff. Like that was the Superman figure right up until the early nineties, from the from whatever year it came out, the eighties I think it was eighty four came out. Um, 
but yeah it was just I love I just love anything that has a story like I I have no doubt that this figure was gifted to this seller this guy some Christmas this was the figure that he got yeah. some Christmas and he kept great care of it and that was kind of the day that his childhood died that he had to yeah, his wife was forcing him to sell it to this Irish guy who would come over but um, yeah it's uh, again it's in storage at the moment but it'll be taking pride of place once I'm settled in the new place amazing that's 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 really really cool I love that um, so, so my next one, um, similar to your story about finding a uh, Superman action figure in Andorra on a school trip, I found a novelization of Superman three in a um, in a in a book fair in my primary school. Uh, I think I was thirteen when I found it. Unlike that, I was at that age where I kind of didn't want people knowing. Uh, it's it's really horrible that, that we went through that as kids. Like you'd never get that now. Like superheroes are well, I don't know. Are they cool? But to be honest, like, they're definitely more mainstream. To be honest with you, I'm only coming out of that over the last couple of years. Like you really, I think came, probably came out of that years ago because you kind of wear it on yeah, your I sleeve, did, yeah. and you always have worn it on yeah. your sleeve. I am only kind of coming out of that. Like my wife knows, and everybody knows, but I don't think a lot of people really knew how huge I was into some of this stuff. Um, like it is it has always been like especially in my job as a cop you know when everybody's into you know sport and ga and stuff and you're like do you really want to talk about superman and this kind of stuff but i really am at the age of the last i'd say the last two or three years where i just don't care anymore like what you like and you know i'm not defending what i like to anybody anymore um but i i definitely went through that in my from i'd say the age of 13 almost to 30 that i was it was kind of cloak and dagger and i didn't really want people to know when i was you know um but yeah alan there's a moment i don't know if you ever watched modern family did you ever watch modern Family? i did yeah i did sorry yeah i did yeah this is all i'll say about that right there's a moment in that where mitch i think is the name of the 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 the, the gay son al bundy's gay son in modern family um and he's talking to manny and manny is the sort of flamboyant kind of yeah he's 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 really kind of flamboyant he's really out there and he he really tries to kind of be the cool guy but he just never quite gets it right and he's a little bit much for a lot of people and he's the only kid in class that wasn't invited to the big birthday party that week or something like that and to make him feel better um his stepdad brings him out fishing or something like that with his other son mitch who he never really kind of saw eye to eye with for one reason or another anyway mitch and manny are sitting down and he says you know like for years and years everyone's desperately afraid to be different and then suddenly almost overnight everybody wants to be different and that is where we win. <laughs> and I was like, that is the quintessential kind of, you can apply that to anything. Like he's applying it to much more serious stuff there. Like he's applying it to kind of himself and coming out and all that stuff. Mm. And he's applying it to Manny, who's a little bit strange and socially weird or whatever. But like, you can definitely apply it to being kind of a nerd as well, yeah. because invariably what happens is you go through school and you know you just want to be the same as everyone else you just want to fit in so you hide all that stuff you don't really broadcast or anything like that and then suddenly you get to college this is my experience anyway you suddenly get to college and you know everybody is trying to stand out everyone is trying to meet people and trying to be different and you know and suddenly you have this like insane interest that reminds people of their youth um and and you know it better and you have more access to it than anybody else and everyone's sort of and and like suddenly you have an advantage over you're more interesting than you know that kind of way. Yeah, I think now I think it's it's kind of gone a little bit the other way now, where like so many people are. Yeah, it's gone so mainstream. It's kind of gone into this toxic fandom thing that isn't isn't good either. You know? Yeah, I think for me, I think just growing up in Ireland and stuff, like I literally knew nobody 
who was into comic books, superheroes, science fiction, any of that stuff, like literally nobody. Um, so I think over the years, it was just kind of something that you, it was just my thing that was mine to enjoy by myself and then when i was kind of in my 20s it was really i think when i met my wife and she kind of she's not into it at all but she supports me a huge amount in it um going to comic cons she's the one convinced me to go to comic cons and stuff i always had this bad image in my head about comic cons being you know like that william shatner sketch from snl years ago and all that kind of stuff and um i like i'm not i'll be honest like i tried a cosplay once and it i hated it i hated it i just didn't like the attention on i just didn't like it at all and it wasn't even a really good cosplay um but um i just i i i'm just at the point now where i'm 36 years of age everybody knows that i like it and uh, like that it is it, it is my thing now and i kind of own it you know and i think there's a lot of people probably yeah. in that boat as well because you, you always get that kind of thing where someone who knows you kind of says it you know while the two of you are in the canteen on your own and you know this kind of like i remember when the first episode of um superfan came out and a guy i work with real kind of a the mandy fella kind of when there was no one around came up to him, he was like oh i listened to i listened to the episode it was really good um tell me more about this and tell me more about that and then so I, you know I, I told him and then someone came in and that was it you know he was like oh you know like like we were talking like we were dealing That's cocaine true. or something you know <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> You can listen to our other podcast about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was I was at a book fair. <laughs> I was at a book fair and I found a novelization for Superman 3. And like that, I, I kind of didn't want everybody knowing that I was buying this. So I bought it kind of discreetly and brought it home and read it. And boy, is that, that that's, if, if ever, like, you know, there's two types of novelizations, Alan. There's the novelizations that are very sort of perfunctory and they just recycle the shooting script and they add a bit of prose around mm. it and they, they just sort of call it a day. And I've read a lot of novelizations like that. It's always a disappointment when you get a novelization like that. Then there's the novelizations that really get into the nitty gritty of the movie and they kind of go above and beyond and they, they go into all this extra stuff and they, they kind of think about what, you know, what might be on the character's mind and for better or worse. And um, that would probably better describe the novelization of Superman 3. It's written by a guy named William Kotzwinkel, who also wrote the quote-unquote best-selling novel of E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Very good. Now, when I saw this as a kid, I thought, oh, wow, I didn't even realize E.T. was based on a book. No, it's not based on a book. He just wrote the book, (laughs) that the novelization of E.T., unless I'm terribly mistaken. No, you're not. You're not mistaken, no. Um. It's it's a fascinating novelization. Like it really goes into kind of Gus Gorman and his the, the inner machinations of his mind. And like if you remember, and I'm sure you do because you love Superman three. There's a bit in Superman three where he's going up to meet Ross the boss, and he's um he's got a yo yo yeah in the and lift. Like you know he's like Ross the boss, Ross the boss, and he's he's rolling the yo yo, and you think nothing of it watching the movie. It's just okay. He's got a yo yo, big deal. The novelization gets so much mileage out of that yo yo, <laughs> like. <laughs> It, it 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 kind of uses the yo-yo as a metaphor for how his mind works and like because the whole thing is that he's mysteriously a genius and he doesn't know why and he's like amazing at computers and it's never revealed in the film why this is and in the book he sort of posits that it's just like the whirring of a yo-yo like it's just machine kind of clockwork in his mind that can't really be explained and he really describes this in intricate detail but then like Obviously, there's a couple of like weird adult elements to Superman 3 as well. Like there's the love scene with Lorelai, Ambrosia and 
like there's kind of mean evil superman stuff in the movie there's a lot of that in the novel like and he kind of goes into detail like i i flicked through it there there's a bit where gus gorman thinks to himself that uh vera webster and i quote he says that bitch looks like stalin <laughs> like this is a strange <laughs> thing to put in a superman book and then there's another bit i flicked through um vera refers to um lorelei as a quote-unquote hedonistic slut wow uh, like it gets pretty racy in this book um but it's again but, it, if you like superman 3 <laughs> which i do i love superman 3 now, i know you even love though it, i have yeah. issues, you know obviously we've spoken about this but um do you recommend it yeah 100 percent. i recommend it absolutely like and it does get like there is a lot of genuinely good stuff in it like there's a lot of sort of superman um internal monologuing going on like he's wondering like when he goes back to meet lana like he's wondering you know is it possible could i have a relationship i know it didn't work out with lois you know is this different because she loves clark like there's a lot of that stuff going on in his head that the writer elaborates on is it what would i i was gonna ask you is it better than the film see oh god it's like 15 years since i read it i i feel like it's very very accurate to the film it's not like one of the like the the novelization for batman forever Hmm. um and 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 stay with me on this. The novelization for Batman Forever is legitimately better than the film. Okay. It's it's the full Schumacher quote unquote Schumacher cut, so that they have all that extra stuff in there. But it's also expanded upon even more than that, yeah. and it like it, it it actually covers up some of the plot holes in it. Like it's genuinely it's a better story than what you get in the film. This I think, if I remember correctly, is kind of just very very accurate to the film, but it just it just has a lot of kind of detail and description in it. And um, my favorite bit of detail in it is as Superman is becoming more evil over the course of the movie, um, it, it describes how the colors of his costume are changing, which which they do, they do in the yeah. film. Like you see, as, the, as he gets more evil, like at one stage he describes the blue as being like the green of kryptonite because he's really evil and horrible. But then by the time you get to the junkyard fight, he describes it as being black, like the color of Dracula's cape. Right. Okay. Uh, and I always thought that was really cool because, like, it doesn't really look black in that scene, but it's like really evocative when yeah, he says that. Yeah, it's more that. like the Superman Returns kind of that kind of wine maroon color kind of. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. So I just thought that was really cool. I I, I also it just tied in this position. I have the comic adaptation for Superman Four, which I found for ninety nine cent in Toronto, and uh, like the Batman Forever novelization. The Superman 4 comic adaptation is the fully uncut, quote-unquote, version of the movie where it has all the extra scenes. It has Nuclear Man 1 and it has Superman and Jeremy flying around the world in space at the end of the movie. And it, it has all that extra stuff that we didn't see in the movie. And it's it's fascinating to read just I, for that. I don't, have, and also, I don't have the fourth one, but I have the comic book adaptation of, the, of Superman 3 and of Supergirl. Of Supergirl, I didn't yeah. even realize they did one for Supergirl. They do, That's yeah, cool. they did one for Supergirl, and um, but I, I don't know, I don't have the, I don't have the Superman Four version, though I feel like I've seen pictures of it or images of it somewhere. I can kind of Im- imagine it in my head. Oh, and and one final thing before we move on from um, so m- my copy of Superman Three, I, I can't believe I forgot to say this. My copy of Superman Three, I'm going to point it at the camera here. I'll I'll post a picture of it in the Facebook group. It has the, the eyes on the cover of Superman. He's it's it's that famous Superman three poster where he's flying off with Gus Gorman. That's creepy. His eyes are like scraped out by whoever owned the book before I did. Who obviously didn't like the and, book. <laughs> and if you if you open the pe- if you open the cover, 
it actually has the name of the person who owned the book. It was owned by one Stephen Connolly from uh, Mount Marion in South County Dublin. We so should Stephen reach out. Connolly, we should re- if you're listening. We should reach out to Stephen. Ask him to come on the podcast. <laughs> Please come on the podcast. Are you still with us? Did you like Superman three? The book. He's also at the at the final page. He's done some uh, long multiplication. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know if he treated this book with the same respect it deserves. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to get it. it. You've 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 sold it, you've sold it to me, to be honest, because I do love Superman three. So uh, I think I'd enjoy it. And I think it's I think it's the only one of the four movies that got like a full fledged novelization. I know four got a junior novelization. Yeah, but the first two definitely didn't get anything. They got those Elliot S. Magan novels that had nothing to do with the movie. Both of which are great, but they've got nothing to do with the movie. Um, so it's fascinating, but. If if you don't want to fork out for this on eBay, you can find it on and I, I it shouldn't be too expensive. It's a mass market paperback. It shouldn't be too expensive on eBay. But if you don't want to get it there, you can get it on archive.org, which is an amazing website. You'll hear me talk about it from time to time on this on this podcast. It's um it's like things that have sort of slipped into the public domain. Um they they're available on that site and you can re- you can borrow this book like a library book. Uh, on that site very good. so definitely check that out very good um my next one is it's, it's a short story i, I kind of have two more left in there but they're both quite short um the first one is um watching uh, we've spoken a lot about the christopher reeve movies um in this episode but uh, like before dvd and stuff watching those movies how i had to watch them was by renting them in the video the local video shop the video store in uh, in tremor and I rent them over and over and over and over and over again, um, constantly as a, as a kid. Every week, every couple of weeks, as I'd say my parents' heads were. As someone who's seen Frozen 2 7,000 times in the last two years, I have so <laughs> much sympathy for my parents having to watch Superman movies on a constant loop for 10 years or 15 years. Um, but I ended up actually working in the video store uh, while I was in college that I rented the tapes out from. Um and loved it worked there for two years went to college worked in the video shop movie buff it was called um in tremor premier it was later premier movies i think it was premier movies when i was there but originally it was movie buff and um worked there for two years worked in a bar at night went to college you know did what you did to kind of survive and stuff and when extra vision um, which is like blockbuster in the states came to um, my hometown there back around 2002 2003 and a couple of years later the local mom and pop video stores like strand electric was one uh movie buff was the other one shut down wait 2003 1993 no i worked there in 2003 oh you sorry yeah i, I worked sorry. there in 2003 and i think extra vision only came to tremor in around 2003 2004 as far as i'm aware what yeah 100 percent. we had we didn't have a franchise video shop in 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 tremor and tremor is a big big enough town like it's you know we had two local mom and pop shop video shops that everybody went to okay and if you you know, if you went to one, you wanted to rent out. So you wanted to go and rent out Ace Ventura. If they didn't have it, you could go to the other shop. But if they didn't have it, you were that was it. You were done. You were waiting until the following week. You know, that was <laughs> you said Ace Ventura. There. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, you really set the like, time period. You have to you have to pick up the phone. Well, I just remember because I my, I remember seeing the trailers for Ace Ventura, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be the best movie ever. So excited, oh, so wow. excited. <laughs> going up on Friday night. Friday night was movie night. Going in. No, we don't have any copies. They're all gone. Oh my God, run over to the other video shop. Do you have it? No. And then having to wait another week and just being, you know, heartbroken. Um, but a couple of years later, 
trying to think maybe 2007-ish, whenever, a couple of years later, the two local video shops closed down. Extra Vision had ran them out of business, basically. Mm. Um, and I, I no longer worked there. Um, but I remember because I had a close connection, I was there. I, was, I remember being down in Tremor one day. And I was like, oh, my God, I wonder what they're doing with those old tapes now that they're closing. So it kind of felt like it was a vulture going down and picking the carcass off of this dying yeah. family business. But I went in and they were selling them. They were getting rid of all the tapes. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to get those Superman tapes that I have watched yeah. all my life. And they were all gone, save for Superman 3. Uh, Brilliant. The, the one, two and four were gone and three was there. And that's my my next pick. I have the original VHS that from, I'd say, 1988 through until 2002, 2003, I rented constantly. Um, and it's it's so much fun. I like I, I haven't watched I haven't watched it. I'd say since I got it, I don't even have a VCR anymore. But the the tape is there, the original box, and it's just the fact that it's the exact same cassette and the exact yeah. same box from all those years, and I have it with me. So that's my my next pick is just that I have so much memory for that. That is my original Superman three, that exact copy that's on my shelf, and I love it. I love the the box art and everything in the back, and you can kind of see his legs taken off up in the corner, and it's it's just beautiful. That's gorgeous. That's a such a good story. And like it's it's amazing you say that as well, because even as a kid, I thought this right. So Extra Vision, very much like Blockbuster, they, they had all the new releases and they were all about the new releases. And it was all like what has come out in the last five years. That's what we have. And that's kind of it. And like when when I was a kid, there was Extra Vision. And then down the road, there was Movie Magic. And Movie Magic had all the weird kind of like slightly older kind of mainly like sort of stuff from the 70s and 80s, like. And I remember just perusing through, like just spending ages just looking at all the colorful VHS covers and movie magic of movies that I'd never heard of. Like, uh, I, I remember they had a copy of F Flesh Gordon, not Flash oh my Gordon, God. Flesh Gordon. Oh, hang on. Stop here a second. All right, hang on. When I was working in Premier Movies, when you walked in the door on the right hand side, the top two shelves were the blues, the blue movies, right? Blues. I love and them. one of them was Flesh Gordon believe it or not flesh gordon was one and I, the only other title i remember was fat chicks four <laughs> fat chicks four <laughs> and you used to have the actual cassettes the in a box for a piece <laughs> you used to have the the actual cassettes in a box under the counter and i remember like guys would come in i just remember this one guy who used to come in on like way off topic here but i remember this one guy who used to come in on like a monday morning when i used to open the the, the shop at 10 o'clock on a monday morning this guy was waiting and he'd come in oh, and he'd go through the box and he'd get his video and he'd go away and he'd drop it back at like 11 a.m so he'd rent it at like 10 and drop it back at 11. <laughs> so obviously he had like a free hour when the wife and the kids were out of the house. I don't know what was going oh, on in his life. God. But like, <laughs> I remember like, you just take gloves, take it like, this is like, this is really aging me now. <laughs> These weren't even DVDs, but I do remember, I do remember <laughs> Flesh Gordon and Fat Chicks 4. <laughs> <laughs> the entire time you were telling that story, I was picturing Otis from Superman 1 and the, don't, <laughs> and he walks in he takes the tape <laughs> he arrives back an hour later and Lex oh, is like I always remember like that's again. like 18 years ago and I, I still remember it so well oh that is that's amazing but yeah no all I was saying was I, I just remember looking at those covers and I remember seeing the cover of Flesh Gordon and being like oh my god this looks amazing and my mum being like you're never watching that <laughs> 
different time, um, different time. But just I and I know what we're we're trying to wrap up here. But um, I I found a VHS copy of the the Flash Three Deadly Nightshade in a in a in a video shop in Wicklow one time, out where my cousins lived. And I I'd never seen the Flash, didn't know it had a TV show, like you know. And I begged them. I was like, please, can we get this? It looks amazing. Like, I never even knew there was a Flash show. And they were like, no, we're not getting that. And we got like Independence Day or whatever. I don't know. But I, I, but, um, I remember Premier Movies was kind of like the, it had modern films and it had older films. But I remember if you really wanted to find something, Strand Electric across the street had new movies. But yeah. then it had all these aisles. And like... I remember it had the Flash uh, movies on VHS. It had uh, Trial of the Trickster, Return of the Trickster, I think was a double feature in one film maybe. I had the pilot as as a movie, like all those little kind of things that like these, like because I never watched the Flash live in the early 90s. Um, yeah. I don't know if, we, I don't even know if it aired over here, but I for the first couple of years, I, I knew it was one of those, I knew it as, as the films. I think I got the DVD box set then, yeah, so it, right. you know, back. 15 years ago or something but yeah it's i i and you know what i i am like i know every generation does this but i am a little bit saddened at the fact that like my daughter you know your kids they're never going to experience that in any way shape or form and that that day is never coming back really you know that 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 sort of longing of something and like like being more familiar with the cover and Mm. the feel of of holding the 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 box in your hand and wondering what the film is about solely based on the pictures you're seeing like yeah i i i it was years before i actually saw the michael keaton batman movies my parents would never let me watch them because th- they were over 15s like they yeah. were unsuitable for kids but i looked at those videos so often in the video shop i'd hold them in my hands and i'd see that picture of like kim basinger holding on to batman and he's pointing the grappling hook at the camera and you know, and then the picture, the Batman Returns, the same thing. And, you know, the first time I saw Superman 2 and 3 was definitely from renting it in the video shop. And yeah, very, very fond memories of those places. And and like you're saying, I think it was those kind of mom and pop, uh, those kind of smaller ones. They always had these interesting kind of genre movies that, you know, the, the big extra vision wouldn't have because it wasn't a big mainstream release. This was an old, obscure thing. Yeah. by now from the 70s or the 80s that people didn't care about anymore but we did yeah and um yeah so i love that so this is my last uh pick um it, it's it's really not a very exciting one at all uh, it, it just sort of came to me there the other day so i am um, i'm just grabbing it here i worked in a uh retailer called next for five years so throughout college basically so i started there when i was 19 i worked all the way through my undergrad and then I had a gap year between my undergrad and my master's. I worked there through that. And then throughout my master's, I worked there as well. And um, I, I, I still maintain, I, I can honestly say, I think I learned more working in retail about people, dealing with people, how to be clever with your time and like, whatever. But point being is I, I do value a lot of what I got out of that job. And um, in the summer of around 2009 or possibly 2010, they had a Superman t-shirt there and um, I just really like the look of it. It's just, uh, I'm going to hold it up for you now. It, it's just a standard blue, kind of off blue, sort of almost nearly more of a turquoise, nearly like the Christopher Reeve. Oh, yeah. It's got the big S on it and um, it's a slightly kind of like intentionally faded S, yeah. you know, that sort of look you get on a lot of t-shirts and um, the blue, it's like, it, it's not like that kind of flat cartoony blue. It's kind of more of a, my my partner was telling me it's kind of a moral effect, is what they call it, oh, or a marble good. effect. Kind of like a, I'm not like sure a, exactly. Almost like an acid wash effect. 
Sort of, yeah. It it I I almost think of it as like almost like when you see kids in like ET and movies from the seventies and the early eighties, like those would be the kinds of Superman t shirts they would wear almost. Yeah. Um and it's it's completely unremarkable to look at as a t shirt. Like you'd never but I it just kinda hit me the other the other day that this t shirt is probably nearly twelve years old now and I still have it. And it's it's just been with me through so much. Like I've had it longer than I've been with my partner Sirsha, who I've been with for ten years now. I've worn it all over the world. I've you know it's it's been with me through thick and thin, and it's still in my kind of general rotation of t-shirts. And like there are parts of it that look a little bit worn, but generally speaking, it's still in great condition. And I was just thinking there today, I was like, I'm going to be going to Pakistan in a couple of months' time. I think I'm going to bring this t-shirt with me, <laughs> just to say that it's been all over the world, you know. And it just it just sort of hit me there. I was like, I'm 31 and I've had this t-shirt since I was 19 and it's still going strong. Yeah. So that's, yeah, we ought to have, I have a Marvel t-shirt there that I picked up in, in Disney, in Universal Studios there back in 2007. And I still kind of wear it around the house and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's funny the things that kind of attach themselves to you as time goes on. Um, the only thing I have left to mention is, and it's very brief, um, the first statue I ever got, um, the first time I was ever in Forbidden Planet, I bought a statue. I don't have it anymore because my sister accidentally knocked it and broke it. Um, but it was an amazing, it. it's an amazing statue um, from a line. It was a DC Direct Superman departure from Krypton, uh, released in 2003. And again, we put up images of it, but it's real. Uh, kind of a 1950s style that Jorel with the green uh, leotard and the yellow sun on his chest and um, Lara yes. in the yellow mini dress with the red cape and Clark is in the rocket ship and they're basically saying goodbye and he's he's shooting off and it was part of a series that was released it was two there was departure from Krypton and arrival at Smallville arrival to Smallville which showed the ship the same ship in the ground with the Kents um, kind of taking the the child out of the rocket or about to take the child out of the rocket and it just stuck with me it's always something that i've I've meant to replace um i think i spent like i spent huge money on it at the time like i think it was 19 when i bought it and i think i spent like 150 quid on it and i think they're up around the 600 mark now um to get them on the secondary on the secondary market and as well as that they're all in the states so you're paying and it's 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 a real big i'll, I'll show you photos of it. it's a real heavy piece so import and weight and all that kind of stuff it would be a nightmare and i don't know if i'm willing to drop that kind of money on it but it's a beautiful a beautiful statue it's the first statue i ever i ever owned it's about nine inches tall there was a thousand of them made so there's definitely like wow. 999 of them left after my one was smashed all over the floor um but yeah it's just a beautiful hand painted piece and i just i've always loved it because it, it, it's just when you see the image of it that i'll show it to you it's just a beautiful beautiful sculpture um and that was that was always i collected statues for a while i kind of got away from that and got more into the into the figures as time went on just for you know space and that you know how many statues can you own you know um but yeah that 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 that'll always be very important to me and hopefully i will get to replace it get to replace it at some point and the the, the very last thing that i wanted to mention i don't know if we have time or not um if you're if we're stuck for time but um, the only kind of higher end kind of thing that I wanted to mention was was um, my Christopher Reeve autograph, which has a nice story behind it. And that is, uh, I, I picked it up a couple of years ago, picked it up from eBay, nothing, nothing in relation to the purchase of it. But I was looking for a Christopher Reeve autograph for a long time. And I ended up finding one on eBay. And it was very unique in that it was signed on a travel brochure. 
nothing Superman related. And it was a travel brochure for Mackinac Island, which was the filming location and setting for Somewhere in Time, the, the film oh, that Christopher yeah. did with uh, Jane Seymour back in the early 80s. I think it was it was either between one and two or definitely between two and three. Or it was around that era. And um, I remember uh, for anybody who's there's a there's a great Superman um, uh, autographs group um, on on Facebook there that a load of experts and stuff. If you ever want to buy something on eBay or that and get it authenticated or get their opinion on it, they're fantastic. And um, Jim Bowers is in it. And I remember seeing it. And I was like, geez, I wonder will I get it. And I sent a photo of it to Jim Bowers. Like, do you think this is legit? And he was like, yeah, 100 percent. It is legit. It's a legit autograph. And I contacted the seller and the story behind it. And it's a beautiful um, travel brochure for Mackinac Island. And it's got all the back of it has all advertisements for local restaurants and local laundrettes and stuff from the from the early 80s. And the story behind it was that um, the film is set in a hotel in Mackinac Island called the Grand Hotel. And Chris Christopher Reeve was actually staying there at the time of filming. And there was a little girl, her father owned the gift shop in the hotel and her name was Cheryl and she walked into the restaurant one morning and Christopher Reeve who to her was Superman was sitting yeah. down having breakfast on his own and he, he she basically went up to him and she was like hi can I have your autograph and being the gentleman that he was he obliged now he either had the travel brochure on him was the only piece of paper that he had or it was within reach or he you know she went over and picked it up from a stand and he just wrote on it to Cheryl Christopher Reeve and it's a lovely little piece she decided to to sell it to a collector you know it, it was in a box in her attic for years she put it up I was kind of bidding against another person for it I ended up getting it and I put it in a lovely frame display it's 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 just such a nice piece and I love again it's kind of like the mega the 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 Mego Superman story the fact that it was just such an important piece for that girl and has such a nice story behind it that I almost feel like I don't know the guardian of that story now that the fact that I have yeah. uh, that I have this piece um but I put it in a lovely uh, in a lovely display I know most people kind of like superman displays and stuff but I put it in a lovely display where it, I have a, a really nice high res uh, photo of, of Christopher from the somewhere in time film in black and white over it and then yeah. beside it I have a, a, a high res photo of that um scene in Superman 3 where he rips his shirt open after the junkyard fight one of my favorite yeah, one of my good. favorite superman moments um and it's just i love it so much it's it's just such a nice piece but it trans it actually transpired afterwards that the person the other person who was trying to who was trying to get their hands on it turned out to be jim jim bowers oh that's now cool. i presume that jim's pockets run a lot deeper than mine so i have a funny feeling that jim let me have it to be honest with you um mm. so thanks to jim for that but that's just um i i i, I have a couple of autographs but that's just a, a really nice um piece and i think there's that's a nice little story behind it, a nice personal story that that girl had Jim Bowers, we should point out, is the owner of uh, CapedWonder.com. Who's like, if you like the Superman movies, you've got to check that site out. Yeah, it's amazing, hundred percent. He's 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 got all these uh, pictures and stories about the movies, and he's been trying to make a coffee table book for years, and Warner Brothers won't let him for whatever stupid Warner Brothers yeah, reason. That looks amazing. Um, it does look. It looks incredible. Like the the insight he has into those movies is just insane. And like he just knows so much about. Them. Yeah, and obviously he um, he has he does that Caped Wonder podcast with Jay Towers and stuff, which is yeah, you know dedicated good, to those yeah. those movies and stuff. So definitely check that out. But yeah, no, I just thought I'd I'd I'd, I'd include that story. On on the I forgot to mention this as well on the subject of Christopher Reeve Allen um, and other films he's been in. I um 
I happened to find myself watching a film called Speechless the other day from 1994. Have you ever seen that? Michael Keaton? Michael Gina Keaton, Davis? Yeah, Michael Keaton and Gina Davis, yeah. I, I saw it it's, years ago, but I have no memory of it, really. Besides the fact that Batman really not, is in it with Superman. Yeah, it's it's really nothing to write home about. It's a, it's a cute little romantic comedy. It's a, it's a really, really cool premise, actually. The, the idea is that they're, Gina Davis and Michael Keaton are rival speechwriters from uh, opposing political campaigns and they kind of fall in love and their career gets in the way blah 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 and like it's really it's a great great idea for a romantic comedy but it just doesn't really sit together very well it starts it's only 90 minutes long and by minute 75 you're going oh god when is this gonna end Uh, chris well yeah there is um christopher reeve plays gina davis's uh kind of estranged fiance in it and um He's he's pretty good and he plays a journalist in it actually, which I thought was kind of cool. He plays like a broadcast, like a that they, they call him um, what is it like Baghdad Bob because he he's been reporting from Baghdad for the past couple of years and he's this real sort of like hotshot rock star journalist because he's been you know in the wars kind of thing and now he's back. Um, but she ends up choosing Michael Keaton over him kind of thing, you know. Yeah. But it's like it's one of the last films he made before his accident. So he was actually due, yeah, he was actually um, due to film a, a movie in Ireland right after his accident or around the time of his accident was to take place. I think that was his, his next project. Like, I think it's fair to say, look, I love Christopher Reeve. Um, you know, I've read his book and I'm such a huge fan of, of what he's done. I, but, I, you know, like, I, I think it's fair to say that he didn't make the best career choices um, as his career went on. Two two films that I would recommend. Somewhere in Time, it's very sentimental. Yeah, but it, somewhere but it's, 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 a, it's a nice little time-traveling movie. You know, it's, it's, it's a romantic film. It's kind of a drama. Um, it is very, very sentimental. Um, but I, it's, it's definitely one of his better films. And I checked it out a couple of years ago. Around the time that I, I, I picked up that autograph, I checked it out and I thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And a film that I would highly recommend, which I think is probably his best film outside of the Superman films, is Street Smart. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I think I think Morgan Freeman is amazing in that film. I really, really do. I I thought you know it was on Netflix up to recently. Um, now I'm not saying it's an amazing, you know, film. It's not up there with like you know Heat or whatever. But um, out of Chris's filmography, I I thought it was a very enjoyable film. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I think it's yeah no it's it's quite good. I think uh, Morgan Freeman's really good in it. I think. Um, Christopher Eve, oddly enough, even though he got the movie made, I think he's a little bit miscast in that lead role. I, I, like, I didn't think his performance was box office in it. Um, I think I think honest. Morgan Freeman I, I think, was was um, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for that. Um, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of kickstarted Morgan Freeman's career. That movie It's really interesting. His his performance definitely left Chris in 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 the dust, and I've kind of. Talking to people subsequently to that, I've kind of, I don't think Chris was too happy about how good Morgan was, to be honest with you. And, and you know, I heard rumors that he, he might have tried to diminish his, his screen time and stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah, look, as 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 Chris as Christopher Reeve movies go, I think um, I think those are probably two of the best that you're going to find out there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I, yeah, and I definitely, definitely check out Street Smart, if only for the reason that... Um, it's it's the movie. It was it was like if I make Superman four, you've got to make Street Fart. Stri- <laughs> street Fart is that what you just said? <laughs> Please don't make Street Fart. Never make that movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that was his whole caveat was that if I'm doing another Superman, you got to give me this one, and that that's the movie he made. And it's it's interesting just for that alone. 
But like, I, I've definitely heard that like Christopher Reeve was so typecast that he was making these movies just to try and distance himself and to try and prove that he could do other stuff yeah, see, to a fault, like to, to the point where he was doing stuff that he wasn't even really suited to. See, and I think Street Martin. The thing about Chris that like I think, like I've read a couple of books and stuff and, you know, uh, I've listened to interviews with other people and the thing about him, I think like Christopher was offered, as far as I'm aware, was offered the lead role in An Officer and a Gentleman and a couple of other really big movies. Um, yeah, he should have taken he should have, You know what I mean? And he kind of, I think... He kind of viewed himself as, you know, an actor kind of and really tried to do kind of off the wall, kind of not mainstream stuff and that. And it didn't really work out. But he was definitely offered some some big parts throughout the 80s that he passed on, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, and it, it's always like it's such a shame. I, I do feel like if he'd continued acting throughout. Well, obviously, he did continue acting. But if he'd continued to be an able-bodied star like he mm. was I, I think he probably would have had some kind of a renaissance at some stage did you ever see um, his um he just speaking of his films he did a remake of rear window after his accident i've never seen it i no. do you know what i've seen a clip of it here is like daryl yeah. hannah in that with him or something yeah i can't quite, good? it's kind of like a made for tv movie almost as far as i can recall now the only thing that i really remember from it is it's it's obviously not going to be as good as the the original rear window which is a hitchcock classic but the one thing i will say about it is is that there's a scene at the end where the the, the killer's coming in to kind of um uh, unplug his chair basically and unplug his breathing apparatus and the fact that you know that chris is really in that chair and really relies on that breathing apparatus it brings a certain level of attention to it that isn't there when actors yeah. are pretending to be in his situation. Um, and I think it was made, I think what his accent was 95. I think he made this movie in 98. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. One, one career move I think he did, which was the correct move was he, I unbelievably, he was offered the role of Mason Verger in the Hannibal movie. Wow. Which, so I think Gary Oldman plays a part. It's this disfigured, um, you know, a uh, cr- crippled man, basically, who is trying to get revenge on Hannibal Lecter. And it, like, if you've ever seen Hannibal, it's it's awful. It's a ter- It's I would say comfortably, it's probably the worst of those. Mm. Maybe, maybe Hannibal Rising is worse. Oh, Hannibal actually, Rising is definitely worse. Definitely like Sons of Lambs, instant classic, like incredible movie, whatever. And Manhunter, the mm-hmm. original uh, Manhunter by Michael Mann is is incredible. Red Dragon is kind of okay. It's kind of nothing. It's kind of not really anything. Yeah. But Ma- Hannibal is specifically a really bad film, I think. And uh, he he made the decision not to, to. He turned that down in disgust, I believe. And I think he was right to, to be honest. Hundred percent. Like it's such a that would have been just such a horrible exploitation of his condition. Yeah, um, absolutely. N- needlessly so. Like yeah, you know, like I think like a rear window and stuff. I think again, just being picky with his projects, even after his accident, that was that was a solid choice. I think to be honest, um, you mm. know, to dip his yeah, toe back not? in and stuff, and why yeah. not do it? You know, um, I just want to give it a shot. I got a, I picked up a beautiful um replica there recently, um, from actually a friend of the podcast there, um, Jerry Scullion. Jerry is a friend of ours from I know him from the Lois and Clark, the Legacy Group. And he has this Etsy page called um, Movie Propcorn, MoviePropcorn.com. And he's a graphic designer. And I ordered this piece off them off him recently. And it is unbelievable. It's a movie accurate replica of the Cape to Wonder Stuns City uh, broadsheet newspaper from Superman the movie. And it is oh, cool. dead on. It, it's it's same dimensions the same font the same stories he's 
uh, he examined the original um, piece, like photographs of the original piece and from the film and stuff. It's got all the original text in it. It's printed on broad uh, um, broadsheet newspaper paper. It's not like it is a replica, but you know, obviously the original is like four or five thousand euros, and who can afford that? And Jerry has this unbelievable passion for it, for recreating these replicas. And I just when I when I opened this thing up, I got I got it there during the week, and when I opened it up, I honestly couldn't believe the quality of this of this print. It was yeah. just outstanding. So I I can't wait to get that framed and 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 displayed in the house. So I just wanted to mention it because. You know, obviously, a lot of those actual screen use props are well out of like they're well out of my price range and stuff. And I just wanted to say that if anybody's interested in getting replicas of that kind of stuff, um, I think he does the the paper from the Batman nineteen eighty nine. You know that that one with the uh, man bat terrorizes city or something like that. That's in one of the scenes there with Knox. I think I think Winged Freak. Yeah, yeah, Winged Freak. He does that one as well, and he's obviously got a passion and a talent for it because they're... That's really cool, because, like, if ever you go to conventions, they, they have a lot of those, but they're never done very, very well. They're crap. And, like, they're, they're fairly rubbish, and, like, if, if you read the sort of stories underneath the headline, they're always really badly written, and they've loads of, like, spelling mistakes yeah. and stuff. So like this is... it's cool that he's kind of taken the time to do a really legitimate one. And to be honest, that's what I kind of... That's what I kind of was half expecting. But this is... It yeah. really does look like the like the real thing. And what really made me laugh is there's a, a newspaper article in it, which when I looked into it afterward, is actually on the original screen used prop. But one that's of the brilliant. stories on the front page is about Ireland. About a mining... Oh, well. About a mining operation in Ireland. And it is it is on the original piece that was held up um, by Perry in the, in, the, in, the, in the scene in the film. And it's on this. It's, yeah, it's so the the website is moviepropcorn.com if anybody wants to check it out. Excellent. Uh, well, that's just about all the time we have for for tonight's episode. Uh, I want to thank you, Alan. Um, and I want to thank Alan's mother for buying him that bubble bath. And I want to thank that strange patron of um, the video shop in the early 2000s <laughs> for renting Fat Chicks 4. So many Fat Chicks 4. Uh, once again we'd like to remind you that you can like us on Facebook at All Star Superfan you can follow us on Instagram at All Star Superfan <laughs> follow us on Twitter at All Star Superpod please get in touch let us know your thoughts and feelings on all things Superman and certainly not all things Fat Chicks 4 um, I really enjoyed this episode Alan what about you? Yeah I'm just wondering there is there a Superman porn parody? There most likely is, and we're never going to talk about it. (laughs) That's not going to be on the next episode, no? (laughs) Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe. Bye-bye.